Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 14, entitled Spend. I have no idea what that title means. Uh, people wrote in trying to tell us, and none of those things made sense to me. So. Really? Yep, not a damn one. All right, one. well, I'm going to <laughs> do this up top then. Uh, Janelle's the first one okay. to put forward this theory that we then got about a dozen more times. Uh, she's mentioned that this is uh, all the quotes from the final five episodes of the season from essentially where they get Alexandria on are from a quote that Dale gave in season one where they're sitting around the campfire and he's talking about why he always winds his watch, which I yeah. always thought was a euphemism for masturbation. Okay, his watch. This, is, this is starting to make more sense. Yes, it definitely is. Uh, uh, it's it's like the facts to Cleveland, but the full except, qu- uh, Dale's version of it. But the full quote is, I like what a father said to his son when he gave him a watch that had been handed down through generations. He said, I give you the mausoleum of all hope and desire, which will fit your individual needs no better than it did mine or my father's before me. I gave it to you not that you may remember time, but you may forget it for a moment now and then and not spend all your breath trying to conquer it. Uh, I hope this isn't too big of a spoiler, but the episode titles, next two episode titles are Try and Conquer. Yeah. So if, you, if you're spoiled by those, I don't know what you what you want. Because I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, I will say that that's very cool. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I and, didn't see this one. However, I'm not, I'm not getting the overall theme, uh, except for like this mausoleum of all hope and desire. Uh, that's kind of... I mean, if Dale were here, he'd probably be telling them, "Let's settle down here, you know." Sure. Let's let's make this a home. Let's spend some time here. Let's try to remember and forget and all that shit he's talking about there. But if they're making this analogy between a watch or a clock, which is the mausoleum of hope and desire, and uh, the destination that they've arrived at, Alexandria, I mean, that's pretty dark. Sure, it it is. Yeah. And it's saying that this is going to go dark places, which we're starting to Mm -hmm. see where the fault lines, you know. Definitely. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Gabriel might be batshit crazy, Mm -hmm. but he is right that there is some trouble in paradise. Yeah. And he's actually one of, he he, he might, (laughs) he's the apple. Uh, Okay. Or the snake. (laughs) Why do you say that? Or Eve. It's all, it's, it's, it's all rolled up. I mean, well, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of good feedback and a lot of stuff I want to say about the episode. He's proper. the rat. We were looking for the rat and justified. Gabriel's the rat. Sure. He's bleeding over into another series here. Sure. Uh, uh, so that, that makes a lot of sense in retrospect with uh, Deanna having him wind his watch, Rick winding his watch, sure. and that, which I thought was an elaborate mind trick at the time. Uh, it was probably there to mark the beginning of this kind of five-episode arc. If you have one of those kinetically winded watches, it actually could be the opposite. A euphemism or a masturbation could be a way to effectively wind it. That's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we both really like this episode on the Instant Cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it two more times since. Two more? Yeah. Wow, I saw it one more. You saw it one more. What uh, I still think it's a really, uh, you know, for Walking Dead, by Walking Dead standards, a really tight piece of storytelling. Yeah, it's uh, that good. does a lot of things fairly economically and is moving in a lot of directions, which is something it's nice when you got the luxury of a, uh, having more plot lines and you know what to do with. You know, mm-hmm. you can make a really interesting 50 minutes of television. Yeah, it seems like the bulk of this episode is centered around this mission to go get the uh, the power converters from the Tashi station. And the the story movement that happens is kind of peripheral to that. But yeah. but 
they have such a big chunk out on the mission that it makes it very easy to tell those stories economically. Yeah. Around it. And also it's like uh, The Rock, Mr. Rock and Rock, uh, sent in the email that uh, we'll get some of his criticisms later. But I thought the thing that I really identified with is he said, this episode made you feel something. Like, even if it was just disgust at seeing these guys torn apart or, you know, seeing the virtuous uh, heroes be heroes and seeing kind of like these skulking do-batters do bad. I mean, you know, I had intense feelings about Glenn and Abraham and Gabriel and Dickless. And Tara. And Tara, surprisingly. Yeah, I even was... uh, And Eugene and, like... They yeah, need it. She wild. needs less fist bump and more shoulder jump. She, she That's does. What she needs to swap those moves out. The Absolutely. Shoulder, shoulder jump is kind of endearing. It is. It is. M- much more than the fist bump. Uh, so who made this episode? Uh, Jennifer Lynch, who has directed a few uh, movies at the box office. The one most fa- she's most famous for is Boxing Helena. This is her television debut, and as Jake from Tallahassee wrote in, said that Jennifer Lynch, the director for Spin, is the daughter of the great David Lynch. Mm. Probably the best episode of the season, so it's cool great, to huh? see some of the Lynch directing talent was passed on. I thought she did a great job. This yeah, was a very tense, uh, well-shot episode. And it's written by Matthew Negrete, which is my Timon and Pumbaa Power Ranger <laughs> Kim Possible whipping boy. Awesome. But after failing hard at like four episodes, he's <laughs> rounding into shape. On the let's hear it for on the job training. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 much better this time around. I, I think there are still some issues. Yeah, uh, yeah. with uh, some of the dialogue and, and stuff, it is but. there is a lot of stuff that's just you could, just lazy um, and and black and white. That's the that's the only criticisms I can really think about this episode. Yeah, you know, I leveled that criticism against the episode with with Carol's line in the instant cast mm-hmm. uh, where she's talking about how she just knows that uh, Pete's abusing his family sure. and he didn't have to say anything. Right. Uh, that felt very lazy to me and very cliched, but on second viewing it's, it's kind of, it's just a second and it doesn't like, it plays a lot better when I'm not cracking jokes over it. Sure. Uh, like, it, like we do in the live watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, let's get started in the recap. Sure. We, we start off with Gabriel going into a uh, garage church and Taryn page is out of a Bible. He he walks in with wax paper. What the fuck is the wax paper for? Uh, well, I don't want to spoil our feedback, but we had a, a pretty uh, compelling explanation. Okay, uh, was he going to tear his heart out and leave it on the something like on that. the podium there? Yeah, it's all about okay. you know you got to freeze your your Bible pages uh, <laughs> between what sheets of wax paper they go bad. They go okay. bad. It's a preservation thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, he did a terrible job because he ripped all the pages out. He's already set up. He's 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 been there. Who knows how long? A couple weeks, maybe. He's already got a church set up. Mm-hmm. He's got with a weak ass stained glass window. Can I just say that? Like, where is Jesus with like light shooting out of his head or something? <laughs> this is fucking trees, man. What are you talking about? Stained glass window or like a flash for some bitchin' tattoo? I don't know. But... No, it's always like Mother Mary with the baby in her arms and light shooting out of Jesus. <laughs> they got some crazy stained ass windows that are stained ass windows. Stained ass windows. So stained Jesus windows. is essentially an agent from the Matrix after mm-hmm. Neo jumped inside of him, burst him up. Part. Yes. All right. Light shooting out of his mouth and eyes. Right. Our Lord of the Perpetual Neo. Mm-hmm. And way more strawberries here than in Slap Town. Yeah. I mean that's that is a bounty of wealth of strawberries. You you could buy the entire Serenity for this many strawberries, <laughs> let alone Book Passage, man. <laughs> you could. Uh, okay. Reg meets with Noah. Whoa, whoa. Daryl's got a sweet new bike. Yes. Yes. There's a really quick shot of Daryl on a motorcycle. 
I looked this up, and this is a uh, a customized and heavily distressed. You don't say. <laughs> Honda Nighthawk CB750. Uh, okay. And it is loud as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have gone with a quieter pipe. I don't know that you need the extra 7 to 10% performance on that, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you have to alert walkers from five square miles as you're going down the road? That's his style, man. Uh, you, you're so much for sneaking up on people, too, mm-hmm. you know? Damn it, how'd you know I was coming? <laughs> but it uh, looks awesome. It looks amazing. It does look amazing. This, this struck me as, you know, the a similar shot to what Sasha had last week, where she turns around and shoots the walker from a distance. And, sure. Uh, it's much cooler when Daryl's doing it. Yeah. As opposed to Sasha. Plus, you you lose the Nazi SS bolts now. I you was do. at I that, was at a toy shop, needed. and Todd McFarland, uh, the comic book artist who's also gotten into action figures, has got this new line of Legos. Mm-hmm. They're not real Legos, but they're like um, they look like models when you put them together. Yeah, uh, he's got a Daryl one, and I noticed that he's got you know the the Daryl chopper or the Merle chopper. No mm-hmm. Nazi iconography on that. Really? Hmm. Can't can't put that in Toys R Us. I'm not a fan of Nazis, but. I'm a fan of being true to the show, and he definitely had... I wonder if they have two versions, like one you can get online and one that they can sell at Toys R Us. Although it's an open question whether you should be selling Walking Dead toys at all at Toys R Us if if you're worried about... That's a fine question. Things like National Socialism. Well, they sell Call of Duty at at Toys R Us, too. Well, and you can can rip a man in half in Mm -hmm. gruesome detail, but better not say the F word. No, not at all. Uh, Reg meets with Noah, who asks him if he can teach him how to build things. Reg agrees, and then he gives him a notebook to record everything he learns. Yep. And he writes something in it. We don't, I don't know that we actually get to see what it says here, but we know later on that it says this is the beginning. Yep. And it's also the end. So fitting. Yeah. Uh, th- there is no way. Am I crazy to think that there is no way that Reg is around when Noah is his age? I, unless Noah. He would have to be 100 years old. Yeah, unless, again, we got a Benjamin Button situation here. <laughs> it, it'd be hard to believe. Sure. Um, okay, Abraham washing his face in the sink while Rosita sleeps. He's uh, going off to work, seems to be bothered by it a little bit. That I, I firmly believe that this is, his, this is his entire prep for work in the morning. Step one, wash face. Step two, <laughs> go to work. <laughs> That's all he does. Uh, I I feel like we missed a part of it because he... Is a lot more emor- emotion- emotionally emotionally torn up than I would have suspected. Uh-huh. And then, like, you know, he's he's grip- gripping the side of the trailer later on and trying to stave off the, the Cleveland facts. And But then once the action starts, he's back to, like, the happy warrior. Yeah. I feel... I think he's not adjusting very well to this slower life. Like, he's only happy when he's destroying zombies, although he seems to be really happy in his leadership role. Uh, I... This is the first kind of the post-traumatic stress thing that I wasn't fu- fully buying. Okay. It doesn't seem, uh, you know, he seems the type that more is, goes a rage slash catatonic during bad things, not the, like, heavy breathing, white knuckle, sweat popping up the forehead type of guy. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about his body hair here? It's dolphin smooth. He is. Yeah. Like... He- he has I, I he has no visible body hair except for what's on his face and head, and also that's not body hair. So sure, <laughs> maybe uh, Rose, Rosalita's already gone to work on him. Or Rosita, Rosita. I was yeah. also the Ela in there. Yeah, I don't know why, but yeah, Rosita. Uh, she probably has. She's probably like, "Yep, yeah, you made a, a promise. Got to keep it." As soon uh, as he stepped out of the shower, she's had had the dual edge safety razor there. You promised. Yep. 
The group prepares to go on a run to get some inverters, which are needed to fix the failing power grid. And they drive off to the sweet sounds of dubstep. Yep. <laughs> which is another very... I mean, I buy that Aiden rolls this way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know that I buy that Glenn and Tara and Noah think it's a joke. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you might be right. They're just like, oh, this Aiden. I mean... You just punched this dude out, Glenn. Mm-hmm. You just punched him out, and you're going to let him start this shit? Yeah. Speaking of shit, Eugene's dialogue feels a little forced here. Just all the shit? Yeah. Yeah, it felt like the writer was trying to, you know, throw in That's a little That's a hell of a thing coming from you, Jim. <laughs> what are you talking about? I thought that was like bald move dialogue. Like, instead of trying to, you know, worry your brain over finding the right word, just throw shit in there. Yeah, but it's it's the way that, like... I don't know. Eugene is a weird guy. I he, get it. Are you talking about just the way he says everything of like this flat effect, or are you talking about the dialogue itself? Because the dialogue I didn't have a bar- problem with. No, I had, I had a problem with the dialogue itself. Okay. It, it felt yeah. very forced. And I don't blame Josh McDermott for that. I think the the writing was a little wonky in this scene. but At least he's not singing Hakuna Matata. He, he could be doing and that. talking yeah. about Queen Rita and her yeah. taking over the earth. <laughs> Matthew could really run home to mama, and we'd really be screwed. <laughs> yep. Uh, and this is where Tara is teasing Noah about talking to a girl, which she goes on a little bit later um, when they're when they're driving off. About now, is she is Noah interested in this girl? What's going on here? Like, uh, I got the impression that he was talking to a girl like a previous night or something, and she saw that and was teasing him. Sure. Not like she's asking about some girl that he knows i don't know i think herself. it's i think it could be both you think so yeah it felt very teasing like the nature of their conversation sure sure i mean i could i could buy it either way the fact that you know tara's kind of been portrayed at least i think as kind of a horn dog sure you know yeah. she moves into a new place it's starting it, to scout immediately the boom yeah she's in bed with good someone. on her mm-hmm. uh and so i could read it as just noah being like oh my god can you can can we settle in? Can we get separate houses before we start doing this? But I also can get the fact that she saw that he was sweet on a girl, uh-huh. and she's teasing him about you know competition. So I could I, it could work either way for me. I guess we'll find out next episode if there's if Holly's just just crying her poor eyes out. Yeah, why did yeah. it have to be Noah? She's in Glenn's bedroom she, at night, or if she's him. holding Tara's hand as she recovers, we'll know. Mm, okay. Uh, Rick sees Jesse in her garage and finds out that her owl sculpture has been destroyed by someone, and then he vows to find out who. He's really concerned with this. Well, you know who started the destruction? That's one Rick Grimes. Yeah. Maybe he came back yeah. to finish the job on one of his mini... That's what I expect, yeah. He, that, that walker on the other side of the wall just drove him insane. He had to take his rage out on <laughs> some vaguely owl-shaped structure. Yep. Uh, he, he goes on about broken window theory here. Um, keep the windows intact, keep society intact. Uh, I I don't know. I, I'm vaguely familiar with the broken window theory. I thought it was more like keeping people uh, working is the yeah, thing. Like breaking the... windows is the thing that keeps people working, and therefore it's good to break a window every now and then. Oh, uh, that was the whole Rudy Giuliani philosophy in the uh-huh. 90s for policing New York. It's like uh, yeah. ignoring street-level crime like graffiti and you know gray market stuff and stuff like that leads to large-scale crime. And... I don't know what to think about it, because on the one hand, it does seem like New York's a lot safer place, but you can say it about the whole country. I and mean, Violent crime across the board is falling hmm. much faster than you'd think just if you watched the media. 
Uh, but on the other hand, it seems also one of the unattended side effects is by focusing on this petty street crime, it dis- disproportionately affects uh, minorities and other underprivileged groups. Sure. So if violent crimes drop in any way and, and it's just kind of a, a tool for oppression, I don't know. It's that it's interesting that they just toss this off. I can see a guy like Rick believing that because, you know, what the hell? He's a small town Kentucky mm-hmm. sheriff. What what does he know about big city policing and, and all that melting pot and all that stuff? But sure. it kind of is a head scratcher for me, too, because it's kind of been something that people have been criticizing in the last few years. Hmm. OK. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I don't know much about it. Uh, we, we go to the warehouse oh, group. By the way, yeah. um, we got a lot of feedback about this, a lot of theories about going on, but does it seem like, Je- I mean, does it seem like Jesse is a victim of abuse? Uh, no, no, it does not. I mean, there's no, I mean, I, I, I don't know what a abused victim is supposed to act like. And mm. maybe that is, uh, a problem that I'm having, um, that that I just don't grant that there could be, but she just seems very bubbly. There's absolutely no evidence that she's being abused. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, other than other than her son acting weird and crazy, uh, you know, and her 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 husband being a drunk and kind of a dick, mm-hmm. I, there is not a lot of evidence there. That's true. Um, we probably have a lot of feedback on that, don't we? We do. Okay. I just wanted to, the, 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 the see if you had a take on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It doesn't seem like, like I would guess she would act, but I don't know how someone who was being abused should act or would act. It's certainly a lot different than what we saw from season one and two Carol. Yeah, yeah. Even, even in the moments where Carol was away from Ed and kind of with, it felt like she was comfortable, she wasn't acting like Jesse acts. Yeah, you see, like, like a per- it, you could see her coming out of her shell. I yeah. don't think that Jesse owns a shell. It doesn't seem like it, no. I mean, from the first time people meet, she's just open and friendly and kind of almost bubbly. Yeah. So, but her son is very disturbed. Yep. <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> well, Carol's not helping. Well, uh, <laughs> indeed, but his reaction to Carol kind of says he's disturbed, too. Yep, definitely. Uh, so we go to the warehouse group, and they are preparing to go inside uh tara and eugene split off in one group glenn and noah split off in another um eugene tells tara that he's a coward then and also that he has done his share of the work here i got you guys to washington dc which well he says washington but you know it's alexandria it's not actually washington which is a suburb of dc so that's not yeah but it's in a you know it's in a real state it's not it's not dc okay and a real state yeah, well, D.C. is not a state. DC it, is, is not. it is a district yeah. of Columbia. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I don't know that I buy Eugene's argument here. I, I'm no. more on Tara's side. You know, we got you there. The idea is almost worth nothing. It's about execution. Indeed. If we were not around, you would not have made it to D.C., period. That is all true. The, Eugene is entirely delusional and surprisingly yeah. delusional since, you know, he got the, the beat down by Abraham. I mean, that's the other I thing. Think, I, think I got you people. What are you talking about, you people? Your people are all dead with the exception of Abraham and Rosita. Mm-hmm. These other people that you created around Georgia, a lot of them are dead, too. Some of, as a direct result, like Tyrese, of your bringing everybody out to D.C. So, yeah, he shows a startling lack of self-awareness. I think that's well within his character. I think so, too, but I'm... 
it's curious to see how they're going to go about the redemption route. I mean, he kind of manned up because it they have established that he does feel something for Terry. I mean, yeah. not anything romantic. No, but no, no, she no. was the one person that seemed to kind of have his back and his confidence, even when, frankly, he didn't deserve it. And she, and she he seems was, to be aware of that, at least. She was kind of worthless herself for a, a very long time in this series, right? Sure. Like, even when Eugene met her, she wasn't doing much. She wasn't able to contribute too much. To I don't know group. that she's not not worthless now. Hmm. She didn't do much here except for jump on Noah's shoulders, which mm-hmm. is fine. Tell Eugene, tell Eugene the way it is, which is also fine, and get her ass blown up. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> Which is one of the other problems of the episode. Which, then, why do you send those two out Dude, together? that's, uh, you know, and that, that's the interesting thing about The Walking Dead, my evolving relationship with it. It's like, I find the better the episode is, mm-hmm. just in terms of how successful it is at entertainment, the more I'm oh, just looking, overlooking, and not even seeing the flaws. Like, Ooh, until okay. I got emails saying, like, what the fuck is this strike team? It's this bullshit. Is it's a complete bullshit. bullshit strike team. Mm-hmm. I started like, oh, yeah. And the third time I watched it, I'm like, oh, yeah. This is especially, you know, they retconned Noah into being a crack shot. This is the guy who couldn't fight his way past lawn furniture three episodes ago. Uh-huh. And now he's a dead eye. With, yeah. But like, still with a Oh, lip. I've been practicing. Yeah. Really? Really? That's your excuse? Like, I've been practicing in the off episodes? And like, I haven't seen a limp that variable since, like, a Mr. Bates on Downton Abbey. do we need to make it a point that you're gimpy all right limp it up do you need to be a kind of credible badass okay you can you can dial that back to like 10 percent. it's complete bullshit that this guy who's so concerned about the future and wants to learn to be an architect just this morning is now going out on missions with his fucking limp yes where you will likely have to run your ass off like i get that recruiting is important but uh-huh. Daryl goes roaring off on his motorcycle when they're about to do a dangerous run for the good of the entire community. That's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with Daryl and Aaron going out there and Eight. doing their thing. What about? Uh, I mean, what? Who? Else? I mean, Rick has to patrol. He has to fucking investigate this owl statue. He can't mm-hmm. go out and be a badass. No, he's patrolling the town. Abraham man. has to pick this day to start expanding the fucking fence rather than keep the power grid going. I don't know why do they even send Tara and Noah out there. Eugene's the one who is going to know what they're looking for. Glenn, Aiden, and the other douchebag Nicholas can keep them sa- can keep him safe, right? Mm. Yeah. Like send those four. Why send six out? I two of which are complete lame ducks. I don't know because I maybe it seems like four people could carry those converters. Yeah, yeah. But no, I I, I, I agree that is definitely an issue. The the no, with but I, I didn't. I didn't see it going into, you know, uh, the first sure. time through because I was too busy being entertained. Um, but yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, so Glenn and Noah also split off and they see that the front is blocked by walkers. So uh, Nicholas' dumbass suggestion of let's go out the front <laughs> is completely not possible. Yeah. Uh, and also, I will say that at this point, it seems like Aiden is kind of coming around. A little bit, yeah. He's like uh, back in Glenn uh, for his decision to patrol the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Although the other thing that bothered me is when they did, like it made Glenn look smart on several occasions, but they didn't really do anything with that intelligence. Like, okay, we need to take the time to clear out this front, make sure we have multiple points of egress. Well, no, we just want to make sure we're fucked if, if our one line of escape is cut off. Uh, there's, yeah, there's zombies trapped just... in here. Let's find them. Oh, they're trapped. Let's just leave them here while we go about our business. Like that. 
What good is having a guy like Glenn showing you the ropes if, like, you know, it's like a Sherpa guiding you up the Himalayas. Well, I've laid out these ladders and these, these grub, and I've, I've, I put the pitons here and all that. You know what? We're going up the other side of the mountain anyway. Uh-huh. Thanks. Thanks, Herge. Uh, Appreciate it. <laughs> it's so that when they have to come back down those ropes, you can see how rickety the ropes are. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what they're doing. They're showing us, oh, there are walkers out front, so when they get stuck in the revolving door that's where they came from but there again like it's very it's very that is mechanical very, very railroady yeah and it, it it's another thing it's like well maybe they didn't have time but it seems like maybe another half hour an hour of brainstorm in a writer's room and they think of something truly compelling that doesn't involve making glenn look like i don't know it's not captain hindsight it's Captain Foresight. It's blind or something <laughs> with a with a memory problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I didn't have much of a problem with that. I had a far bigger problem with Noah being there, with Tara being there. Uh, those seem like dumb decisions to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they go inside the darkened warehouse. They run into some walkers. They're behind a fence. Uh, then Eugene and Tara find the inverters, and there's a walker with armor and grenades who comes at Aiden, and he decides, you know what, I'm going to shoot this thing. And he's kind of not playing with it. He, he's trying to kill it, but at the same time, he could have done it in a much uh, cleaner way. Obviously, he didn't have to shoot the grenade. But I mean, even the way he goes about it, like, I'm going to shoot in the leg and I'm going to stand back at a distance and try and take it out. Just walk up to it, rip its mask off with your boot and shoot it in the head. Yeah. You know? Like, be clean about the thing. But sure. he's he's not. And so he sure blows that... the fucking warehouse up. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that plexiglass shield wouldn't stop a bullet anyway. It, you, yes, you're absolutely but, right. But <laughs> yeah, there was one. I mean, like I said, it's he was starting to come around. It's too late for him now. Yeah. But he was, you know, he, he lived like he died, a complete dumbass douche. <laughs> yep, he blows up the warehouse. It impales him. It destroys the fence that's holding back all the walkers. Uh, it collapses the shelves. It takes out Tara. It hits her in the head with shrapnel. I, I mean, guess. it's like a wily e. Coyote type Rube Goldbergian. <laughs> uh, like that one thing just made uh-huh. chaos. Everything bad that could possibly have happened happened. Except for I thought Glenn might be blinded because he was staring right <laughs> at an explosion, and we kind of like dissolved uh-huh. the white. I'm like, oh Jesus, he's gonna like be somehow incapacitated. But it turns out it was Tara who was like on the other side of a bunch of equipment in another aisle. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Uh, and then Glenn makes his way over to Tara and Eugene um, and kind of saves Eugene in the process. Uh, I don't know how much you want to talk about that uh, scene right there, but... What about Eugene's uh, first attempt to take out a walker? It's fairly pathetic. Yeah. In yeah. fact, he couldn't even bring himself to shoot the one when another one ambushed him. Thank God Glenn was able to fight through the the cardboard boxes because he had yeah. been... I, I kind of thought he was going to cause I'm like... Man, this close range of a zombie with this guy's inability to do anything combined with his, you know, wearing short sleeve shirts and short je- jean shorts. Uh-huh. Hey, he's fucked. He's fucked. But yeah. Good old Glenn. Yep. Glenn's always there to save him. Uh, twice this episode, actually. So back in town, Carol comes downstairs and finds Sam hiding in her closet and he wants cookies. He's demanding, I want more cookies. She's very dismissive of uh, of Sam's problems here. I do. I like. He's like, well, my my owl statue's broken. This and she's like, none of these are problems, Sam. <laughs> and then she tells him that if you want more cookies, you will have to steal the chocolate yourself and a bar for me. Uh, which he he goes and does. What we're seeing here really is 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 what it's like to be gripped in the throes of chocoholism. 
Yes, it's an epidemic. I in mean, this town. she is a dyed-in-the-wool chocoholic, and she will stop at nothing to get her fix. Now she's 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 moved from stealing to exploiting children. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Selling organs is going to be the next step. I love it, man. I love what Carol is doing here. Mm. Like it's it's kind of mean, but at the same time, it's really funny. Uh, and that strikes me very much as Carol now. You know, I mean, she's had she. In the past, probably would have taken this kid and said, yeah, I'll teach you to make cookies. I'll do these things for you. But like her experiences with Lizzie and Mika and that whole well, that's, prison But that's also because of who she is. Her. She can't – she's trying to do this front. But as she's realizing more and more, this isn't just an annoying kid. This is kind of a cry for help. Yeah, yeah. And with her own experience. And, you know, that's kind of Rick's people. They could all be assholes. Mm. But at the core, they're good people. Yeah. So you get to see that kind of come shining through, which I enjoyed. Yep. Um, Aiden's still alive. Glenn decides they're going to go save him. So they fire a flare off and, uh, run toward him. Yeah. And then we cut away. Um, not much to say about this scene. They're, they're kind of holed up in an office here with Tara, uh, laid out on a table, bleeding from her head. Um, then we go back to Abraham, who is helping with the expansion of the wall when all hell breaks loose. Uh, a few walkers, a few walkers yeah, like a, shamble maybe a dozen, into sight. Maybe a dozen with a work crew of about a half dozen, I'd, I'd guess. Yeah, yeah. it seems like you could easily take these things out. From but the range we're talking about? Sure. These guys are terrible shots. They're shooting their own equipment. Yep. They they just fuck everything up. Um, it's that's, that's my other big problem this episode. Like, does, does the Alexandrians all have to be this comically inept? And in Aiden and yep. Dickless's case, uh, criminally mm-hmm. uh, neglectful, and and it's like Abraham and Rick and Michonne—they're all badasses. They're like they're, yeah. they're like uh, the player characters in a video game versus everybody else's non-player characters. Mm-hmm. I you know I I expect them to just be normal people. I don't expect them to be all Mister Magoo and two left feet Sally. Yeah, it. That's a little bit of a problem. Sure. Uh, it's a problem for everybody, Abraham included. Um, uh-huh. he, he springs into action. He saves basically everybody. Um, they were going to run off, but he specifically saves Francine, who got trapped by the walkers. That's the other thing. The, the central interesting thing about this is the conflict about these Alexandria's standing operating procedure, which is shit pants and run yep. when zombies are around versus... The the uh, our crews, which is leave no man behind. That is interesting sure. and neat, and something that would impress the hell out of Alexandria's if you pull it off without them being a bunch of Eugene level dumb fucks. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of the point, right? These people don't know how to deal with these situations. It's not that it's yes, but again, uh, trust us to see that without having to make them be the Keystone cops. Sure. It would be just as compelling if they were trying to run away and Abraham was saying, no, let's go in and save these guys. Yeah. Uh, save Francine. Like, save it's, not the worth, dude. it's not worth one person to risk the whole group and to risk the wall. And Abraham can just be like, fuck that and go on. Yeah. In. And show, you know, his, I don't know. Because I imagine these people aren't all that well trained. Yeah, but I remember, like, you, you've seen Band of Brothers, right? Sure. Remember that hard-ass lieutenant? I can't even remember his name, but he was like, uh, I think everyone suspected him of committing war crimes by executing all those Nazis in the like, oh, early yeah. episodes. Uh-huh. 
And there's this one point where, you know, the whole platoon is like pinned down and there's this one lieutenant who's kind of a bedwetter mm-hmm. and he can't quite, he's overwhelmed, but he's not just a like swimmer. sucking his thumb. No, I don't think it's swimming. He didn't even make it because he was like, you know, on the face of it bad. Yeah. And he just gets up and like runs across the battlefield to relay this command that needs to happen and then runs back and the men are all like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a badass. Uh-huh. The rest of the platoon didn't have to be shooting themselves in the feet or have their pants around yes. their ankles or slipping in the mud for me to be like, yeah, that lieutenant might be crazy, but he's also really good at his job. Like, that's the yeah. kind of thing I want to see from an inspirational scene. Hmm. And I I feel like if Tobin saw that, he would still go and be like, I'm not the man for the job. This is the man for the job. Yeah, I, I just don't think these people are good at their jobs. Like, and especially right. just the construction workers. Yes, this, the show is screaming that at a very loud le- le- level. Yeah. These people are all bad at their jobs. I wish they didn't. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh so I, I really like the line Mother Dick here. <laughs> Who doesn't? It said twice. It said twice. When he goes under yes. the, the truck, he says it again. Uh or sorry, no. not when he goes under the truck. He's got this he's he's got a work light that he's mm-hmm. using as like a flail. Yep. Uh and it breaks and he goes, Mother Dick. Which I don't think that was scripted. I think it, it just flew like off it. in the middle of it and he's like, Well, I'll throw in another mother dick, or maybe they just looped it in an audio. And they're like, Man, we need to feature that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but you can kind of see the guy who plays Abraham, Michael Cut like when it goes off, he kinda like, What? Yeah. And then it's like, all right, I'll just keep bashing zombie heads. But I liked it. That was cool. I like seeing the work light as a weapon there. It was neat. Do you think So I mean, Mother Dick is obviously <laughs> supposed to conjure up motherfuck, right? Yes, I mean, it's supposed to conjure up any string of obscenities that you want, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that for some reason, this worked a lot better than Donkey Licked. <laughs> I like the Abrahamisms. Yeah, like I a- do. Abra- I really do. Abrahamisms are better than Joeisms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're kind of both ridiculous, but I don't know why. I don't know why he's selling it and the other guy didn't. But yeah, Mother Dick is is strong. It's good. It's real good. Um, so you are, sorry, Pete stops by Rick's house with a beer in each hand, not, not to offer Rick one of the beers, just to drink both of the beers. <laughs> no, he, he wanted to drink with them. I, he never offers that beer. Yes, he does. No. Yeah, he tries to get it and Rick's like, I'm on duty. Oh, you're not on duty all the time. You're running. Yeah, no, he, he tried. Does he? Yeah, okay. You trust. I, I'm a, I'm a mm. three time viewer. No, Bow down. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, he rambles about how they've lost things and about Rick losing his wife and tells him to bring his kids in for a checkup. Which seems it's the only thing that I actually thought was... Everything else seemed vaguely menacing. Yeah. Like, he was there to pick a fight with Rick and Rick wasn't rising to the occasion. Sure. Um, I I feel like Rick is kind of on his, his heels here because he had a lot of weird energy with uh, Jesse in the owl destruction scene. Yeah. And I think it's because he feels like he fucked up with that kiss and now he's just really awkward around these people. He did fuck up with that kiss. Yeah, but if he had yeah. I'm saying that if he hadn't kissed Jesse and gotten all governor on her, uh mm-hmm. I feel like he might have punched this guy cuz he was being offensive <laughs> and rude and gross. Well, he tells Rick they should be friends because they kind of have to living but, in the same city here. That came across as jerk ass. Like everything other sure. than yeah. offering medical care for his kids, that was the one line that came across as not like you know, Trumpy. He's he's yeah. back in a full Trump mode. Uh, whatever he said about Rick losing his wife, it kind of got to Rick because at the end of the scene, he's looking at his ring, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not sure exactly what he's thinking there. Like, 
Is he thinking, why am I still wearing this? Is he thinking, am I going to have to take this off if I kill this guy and get with Jesse? No, I think it's <laughs> like, like Rick, uh, he is sorely tempted to move in here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it's kind of his respect for their, the I guess, a person's marriage. Sure, he doesn't, he doesn't want to shame the guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As someone who's who survived the vicious shaming, yeah. he doesn't want to shame in return. I can't blame him. <laughs> Uh, Eugene reminds the uncut- his lobes are a lot, lot, lot. Uh, he, he's taking some Tylenol. Those lobe the, swelling, swelling has gone right down. Uh-huh. Yeah, some yeah. cortisone cream on him. He's put some stolen chocolate on him, <laughs> frozen chocolate <laughs> right out of the freezer. Uh-huh. Uh, Eugene reminds the unconscious Tara that he's a coward, and then he hoists her over his shoulder and makes a run for the exit, killing walkers along the way, which is most certainly not a cowardly act. No. Good on Eugene. No, he steps up here. Why? Do you think it's he like cares about Tara? It's one of those situations where it doesn't matter what people say; it's what they actually do. Sure, you know it's like yeah. uh, you know uh, it's. It, I can't try to think. I'm saying that you, know, you see a lot in television shows and movies where a person that is like full of bravado turns out not to have it when the chips are down. This was like the rare reverse of that, where. Um, yeah, and it wasn't like because you see a lot like a cowardly person will, will be able to pull a gun and shoot somebody, but mm-hmm. he like again fireman carry one arm shooting, uh, taking zombies out at the knee. It, yeah, it, for for Eugene purposes, this is Abrahaming up. Yeah, this is Eugene's Rambo moment. I think right. I mean, Abraham's like laughing like a pirate king as he strides across the battlefield with work <laughs> lights akimbo. I mean, uh-huh. it's not that, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Glenn and company make it over to Aiden, and they try to lift him off the metal, whatever he's impaled on. Which I thought they might be able to do. I thought so, too. But then they panned down and showed the one in his gut, and I'm like, oh, no. Bad news. Um, This guy's a human Jenga pile, (laughs) and I don't care which one you pull, it's going to come crashing down. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work, uh, and they're forced to leave him there just before uh, he gets, he and almost Glenn get torn to pieces by walkers. Sure. Uh, Those walkers come in right after he's pulled off of Aiden. I saw on Reddit that someone said they superimposed a the text of Carol's speech to Sam over Aiden's picture of being ripped apart, you know, because she okay. said you're going to be tied to a, a tree and you're going to be screaming, but no one will be able to help you and they're going to eat you while you're still alive. Mm. We've never seen that before. What do you call that? It's not foreshadowing. That's uh, archetype. It's like you've got uh, hmm. you got you you got. Yeah, a, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either, but do you think that there's anything there there? Uh, possibly, yeah. The The thing that I was noticing is how much this guy looks and is killed like Captain Rhodes from Day of the Dead. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, you showed me some... Yeah, it does seem like it's a deliberate homage. A deliberate homage. Yeah, they, they look similar, too. Which it's strange. Like, if they do a remake... Uh-huh. Well, they have done a remake, which, fuck that movie. Uh, <laughs> if they do a real good remake of that movie, I would want him to play Captain Rhodes. Mm. Uh, Nick Otero has cop to doing direct homages of different things before. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we talked about maybe this is the homage season because he had that uh, head flare zombie that was right out of uh, Survival of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, it's not that I enjoyed the scene, but I, th- I think that this show hasn't had a really gruesome zombie death in a long time. Oh, I and love nothing him. this gruesome. Yeah, like I this, love it. Like the only thing close I can think of is like Otis and Dale, but this was like that times 10 yeah and we get it times two this episode and the guy kind of deserved it like uh, he was starting to redeem himself i'd rather see dickless up on Mm -hmm. the the pike than this guy but 
Yeah. If they could have somehow piped the dubstep into the warehouse at that <laughs> While moment. Was going. Yeah. And all the zombies are nodding their head. And, <laughs> yeah. That'd been a different movie. That'd have been a Sam yes. Jackson. It'd been Shaun of the Dead in the bar. Or not Sam Jackson. It'd been a Peter Jackson joint. Yeah. Uh, okay. Abraham tells. And also, uh, did we talked about them, them confessing to being complicit in the deaths of the other people that they got killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the other people didn't panic. They stayed, tried to help each other, and they ran off like like cowards. Which is exactly what Nicholas does again here. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. He's uh, like, right. ABR, always be running. Uh, ABC, Glenn, always be cowardly. <laughs> Abraham tells off Tobin for being a coward, and he punches him, and then he takes over the construction site. Abraham lays down the law in this scene. Good stuff. Um, then we go back to the warehouse. Pull the cobwebs, a cobwebs at your ass. What kind of spider would 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 bother you know? Uh, it's those trapdoor spiders. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on their way out of the warehouse, the guys get stuck in separate sides of the revolving doors, which is just an awesome set piece. I think it is. It is. Someone on the forums wrote that the that the those doors don't really work like that. Yeah, they're designed that in a panic situation like that, where you've got like a building on fire and people crushing against it, uh, that they kind of fold outwards. So in reality, this thing would all fold outwards, and they could have, you know, I guess, gotten outside to the lesser zombies. But I'm willing to overlook that because this was a really good set piece with really good stakes and kind of clever. So I don't know how you fold those doors when there are that many walkers, though. Like, where would they fold to? Well, I'm not saying it would be a hundred percent because obviously the walkers standing in there, but they would collapse to the point where I'm sure that. Uh, the walkers Dickless. would get in. No, no, that uh, <laughs> the Dickless and the other and and Noah and uh, Glenn could have gotten out. Hmm. Okay, because that's the thing. Like Nicholas did get out, mm-hmm. so like imagine that door was swung open another ten, fifteen degrees, and then on the other side too. Yeah. Uh, we go back to Tobin, and he's in the house in town, uh, the government house, as I'll call it, Deanna's house, and he tells him that Abraham is better at construction than he is. <laughs> Uh, and construction here means leading the construction crew. Sure. Uh, Deanna says, you know what? Make Abraham the new boss, the new foreman. And uh, when he leaves, Deanna worries aloud to Maggie that she's putting so many of their people in positions of power. And Maggie says, yeah, of course you are, because we're awesome and you suck. Yeah, it's a, it's a nonviolent takeover. Yeah, and it's warranted, too. But it is Maggie's bothering. right. It isn't sitting right with Deanna, because I thought... You that makes know, sense. Especially with Maggie kind of who's to say Maggie's not going to take her job cuz she's better at yeah. at it. I mean when she pushes all of her chips into the middle of the table, she's still back there sweating. Even yeah. though she's not showing it to you, she's sweating. Is you know, I it seems like the thing to do unless Abraham turns out he's a secret gener- general contractor as well is have Tobin be the foreman and he just be in charge of security. Yeah. Like I don't know why it had to be a complete uh coup it it felt to me like tobin was so ashamed that he didn't want to be the leader anymore that's the thing like what do you have like to he comes with... back and just like oh, i'm terrible i at get this. it that, that francine clocked you one but like mm-hmm. if that's standing standard operating procedure to keep everyone safe i don't know why you'd be ashamed of it now again that doesn't mean he wouldn't feel ashamed i'm just saying that like it doesn't seem like there's anything intrinsically shameful about cutting and running and trying to save everyone versus, you know, needs of the many, needs of the few kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, no wonder it took so damn long to get the other walls up. Can you imagine when Reg was running this career? Oh. <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, they, the wind would blow and they'd be back inside, everybody. Back inside. I thought I, I, thought I saw a cloud. <laughs> it could rain. There were birds in the sky. Uh, Sam returns with chocolate. And Which Carol oh, that, that reminds me, birds the sky. Mm. The third time I watched it, I caught on the fact that what seemed to trigger Abraham's panic attack was when uh, Tobin went off to send the facts of Cleveland, a bunch of birds, like, alight. Before he got to the bushes, they kind of flew out. Yeah. And so then I'm like, well, maybe Abraham knows there's about to be an imminent zombie attack. So he was kind of like, or that's what he was worried about. But then, yeah. like, why wouldn't he say anything to somebody? I don't know. But that clearly um, seemed like what they were trying to tell us, that, like, yeah, he sees the, the birds flying out, and like, oh, God, out. this is happening again. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure either, because it it felt to me like it should have been tied in with, you know, the face washing scene. Sure. Where he's kind of bracing himself against the sink. Yeah, like like his, I, I, it's diluted the point that I think they were trying to make, which is for Abraham, the panic attack is a return to normalcy. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you go back, you know, it's kind of like the Hurt Locker. How do you go back to the supermarket with your wife and kid when you've been... Beat someone to death a, with a beans. War, a war junkie for the last 18 months. I, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you go back to this normal, you know, jerk-ass life when, when you've been living this awesome one? Yeah, and that's what everybody's going through, right? Sure. Um, Even the people who don't like this life are going through that. We got a little bit of hint of what Maggie's there for because she's mentioning that she's working on field plans. Okay. So her farmer, farmer's daughter experience is, uh, seems like it's being harnessed by these people. Yep. Good use of her. Uh, Sam returns with chocolate. Carol starts some cookies. Uh, she admits that, uh, or sorry, Sam admits that he breaks stuff when he's sad. And that it prompts Carol to ask if he broke the owl. And then he comes back. He doesn't say anything. And he comes back with why she stole the guns. Uh, and that he wants a gun. Carol asks who and he runs off. Yeah. So, well, this gun is for protection. Yeah, this is where Carol starts to get the idea that maybe Pete is abusing his family. Yeah, and, like, you know, Sam, like, I, I was like, man, is he going to, like, talk about how he sometimes hurts uh, dogs and cats when he gets sad? Like, he, mm-hmm. he's really, uh, I don't know. There was a lot of people calling bullshit on the fact that there was no childhood trauma. And I know that I was thinking that, too, at the early goings of the scene. But by the end of the scene, I started thinking, like, this guy has seen, this little kid has seen some shit. Yep. So maybe Carol, he can see past that Carol is all bark and no, no bite. Mm-hmm. And whereas she's dealt with adults that really do hurt people and you know, he can see the difference. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have a problem with it, honestly. I didn't either. Uh, I was, I was more just enjoying Carol being Carol here. Uh-huh. You know, Sam asked, were you always good cook? Sam, we're not talking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know why. That's really funny to me. Uh, in the revolving door, the guys try to escape. And uh, they try to bust the glass and all that stuff. And uh, Eugene tries to lure the walkers away with dubstep. And it works, mostly. He gets the ones on the outside of the door away. And then... Do you think that's why they had him playing the dubstep, just so he could come in and do the Dodge Charger routine? I'm sure, yeah. Okay. Although, he could have just been pounding the door, Dude, yelling, I, and I revving the engine. I was about to say the same I, thing. The dubstep was unnecessary, but eh, it was okay. I Again, like, I don't know why they feel the need to... like. It's flavor. It's flavor. It is flavor. Yeah. I guess so. Aiden was a douchebag. Aiden liked dubstep. Uh, are you saying all people like dubstep are douchebags? No, no. I'm saying that uh, Aiden was a douchebag who liked dubstep. All right. <laughs> I like dubstep every once in a while. Well, you know, it's people can stuff. make conclusions based on that. Yeah. 
Draw your conclusions you have as, a bo- as you will. You have will. a body of work I think we can draw conclusions from. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> uh, Nicholas escapes, but he causes Noah to get eaten while Glenn watches. <sighs> this, is, this is the times two of the vicious ripping scene. He yeah. gets his face ripped open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he gets a fish hook in, and then it's done. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. Um, uh, I, I don't know... And you know what, what? The first time I saw this, I thought because we were both like, "Oh, oh!" I thought he said, "Let me go." Mm, no, but him begging, "Don't let go." Yeah, uh, and then Glenn having to watch that whole thing. Glenn, I don't know what Glenn does. <laughs> Is this what you wanted, Glenn? Yeah, I don't watch I, me die. I, I don't know what Glenn does, man. I really don't. You said you thought he owed it to Noah to watch him die. I don't know that I buy well, that. I think that's. I kind of think like if you someone makes a sacrifice, it's kind of like the same. We talked about this, I think, after the podcast. But you know, in that scene in The Watchmen where mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Manhattan's girlfriend is faced with the fact that he's going to be zapped to death in violent manner, uh-huh. and she's like, "I just can't watch him." Sorry, that was shown as a betrayal. Like you, you are more worried about your own feelings than comforting your loved one in the moment of their death. So it didn't look like there was any comforting going on. I get here. it. I get it. I'm <laughs> just saying. Glenn is curled up in the corner, horrified, <laughs> eyes wide, as Noah screaming and having his face. Oh no! Over. It's it. It was awful. It was bad stuff. Yeah. If I'm getting pulled apart, I don't know that I want to see your reaction and how yeah. disgusting this is. It as is. bad <laughs> as you it, it feels. Yeah. Maybe it looks even maybe worse. Even worse. <laughs> you might not be screaming loud enough. Yeah, I get that. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's not how I want to go out personally, uh-huh. but okay. Just, right. just you know, in horrific pain, everyone looking around just like, no. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I thought that was an amazing scene again. I, I gotta give Zombie Kill of the Week to zombies, right? Yeah. Like, they get the awesome kills this episode. Yeah, really. I, I think it's Noah, because the face rip is better than the gut rip, I think, just de facto. Although uh, Aiden went longer. He did. Aiden just would yeah. not die. That's what I was getting. It's like, man, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, the impaling was bad enough, and then he gets his guts ripped open, <sighs> screaming. Uh, and also, you know, getting your guts ripped open, you live a little bit longer than you do with your face ripped open, I guess. I don't know if that's and true. And your brain's being eaten. I don't know. But either way, I you know, <laughs> being torn apart by, by, by formerly human hands, uh, it's right up there with fire and drowning for me now. Yeah. A <laughs> bad way to go. Definitely. Bad way to go. Uh, Nicholas runs up to the van, tells Eugene that they're leaving. Eugene refuses. He tries to shoot Nicholas, but he gets thrown to the ground. And then, ta-da, Glenn runs up and knocks Nicholas the fuck out. Yeah, he does. Boom. Two two punches it took, though. Yeah, he's lucky. Abraham, one punch. Glenn, two. Makes sense. He's a smaller guy. It's true. Um, but, man, I... Glenn needs to get a gold star for restraint. Like, I feel like bad uh, shit's going to yeah. happen when the Eagle van comes rolling back into Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of he said, she said kind of crap. I think but... they play the dubstep on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, but no, I... Ah, man, this guy's such an asshole. Yeah, not only did he leave Glenn I there shot to him. die, I but he got sh- no I, kill. I just would have shot him in the face. Yeah. And left him there, or maybe shot him into. I don't know. I mean, I think you could be. I just saw a very good friend, and I get they haven't been around the. uh, They haven't been around as long as others, but I feel like you bond pretty quick, starving, thirsting, and killing zombies together, and and surviving tornadoes and all that stuff. That's that's a formative experience. Yep. You saw that. Like, I don't see how Glenn just didn't shoot him in the guts and then throw him to the walkers. 
Yeah. Like here. I mean, that's the thing. He wasn't just, he didn't just get Noah killed. He was going to leave Glenn to die, or he did leave he Glenn got to a- die. He, he left Aiden, because like, I think they were trying he to left sh- show us that they could have maybe, I think Aiden's dead anyway. I think so too, yeah. But they could have gotten him off of there and certainly not let him be ripped apart. Did you think it was odd that like no one shot Aiden in the head before they left him? Uh, like, like, yeah, the, I did. Where's the mercy I, kill, man? I mean, it it did happen very suddenly, though. I mean, if you look at it, like Glenn is pulled off of Aiden right as the walkers come in to chew his guts out. Yeah, I mean, I like maybe you stop and turn around and take That's a second. What I'm to shoot Last him, but... Mohican style. Don't let the guy be burnt to death at the stake. Yeah, Get that, that would have been nice. Yeah, would have been nice of him. You can't do anything to Noah because he had no bullets. Yeah, but damn, that yeah, it's brutal. Sure. Um, Carol goes to Pete's house and asks to see Sam and Jesse, but he says it's not a good time, and he shuts the door on her, and that makes Carol suspicious. Well, sure. I think it it more it just confirms what she was already thinking, obviously. Sure. Uh, and then we get the group driving back while Eugene stares at an injured Tara, and we see this is the beginning in mm-hmm. the journal, which we know is not not true. It's the end for Noah. Yeah. Sad stuff. Uh, Gabriel goes to Deanna, tells her that this group is evil, that they don't deserve the paradise of Alexandria. Mm. Maggie overhears it. And then at the same time, we get shots of Carol going to Rick and telling him that Pete is abusing his family. And Abraham being a boss in every sense of the word. That's true. Uh, and that's the thing, like the things that he is saying are being directly contradicted by events in the episode. Abraham sacrificed, put his own life at risk. To save the construction crew, Noah was coming and saying, "I want to help you make this place last forever." Mm-hmm. Like these are things that they've had personal experience with, and like Tobin, like talking about, like you know, uh, Abraham's the Messiah. But it looked like it was bothering Deanna. It did, yeah. Which I th- wonder if it's going to be. Yeah, she's a good read of people, but she's also threatened. So she's going to do, you know, we've seen like overt evil, but let's, let's see mm-hmm. the petty side of evil or the banality of evil. Yeah. Um, I kind of am interested in seeing that side of things. What do you think? Yeah, I I am too. Um, I, I thought it was interesting in this scene how Gabriel is a lot like the people here in Alexandria, right? For sure. the longest time, he was sheltered from most of the stuff going on out there. Aside from his congregation being ripped to pieces. Which he was complicit in. Yes. Um, but it's interesting to see that he has not changed his mind about these people after going through uh, see, I, the Bob stuff with them. Sure. Um, where they're fighting off cannibals who are eating people piece by piece, actively trying to kill them. He is not seeing it from the side of the world outside. He's seeing it more from the side of the Alexandrians. Sure. But I, it's weird. I, I, I don't want to step on the emailer's toes too much, but I actually think it's rather darker. I think that he is starting this bullshit up to take uh, because he feels bad about his own sins. Hmm. But again, I don't want to step on the emailer's toes. So he's toes. confessing without confessing? He's not confessing. He's essentially like, uh, I, I cannot it, well, be... Well, I'm asking, like, he's including himself in this group of people who no, are bad? No, he's essentially saying, I, you know... Well, let's just wait till the feedback. Okay. Because, again, I don't want to just rip off their thoughts as my own. Sounds good. We're almost there anyway. That's the end of the episode. Did you yeah. have anything else you wanted to say about it? Uh, real quick before we get into pimping and feedback, um, I want to... How do I say this? Uh, you and I are playing Destiny. 
we don't have any friends that play Destiny. We would like, if you have a PlayStation 3 or 4 and you would like to play Destiny with us, uh, go to destiny.baldmove.com. It'll have Gemini screen names. Destiny. That's a thing. I, it's going to be before you edit and post this thing for sure. What about for the live watchers? They well, can't do it. You will get a 404 not found error, but uh, <laughs> it'll have our it'll have our gamer tags, and okay. uh, you can add us, and uh, we'll maybe get something going in forums where we can set up because neither you uh, neither you or I have ran any of the raids, which is what we're really keen to do. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to get a group of dudes that are not going to be like dicks about us not knowing what we're doing. And, uh, you know, have some fun playing some some weekend in the future. Sure. I had a lot of success with this on The Last of Us. You know, I had like 40 people instantly friend me and I had a great, great old time playing. And then my PlayStation 3 died. So hopefully my PlayStation 4 will not die. Yeah, I don't have a PS4 yet. No, but I do. So I can I can do either. I, I would get in a group with you and the four other guys or I can, you know, go go alone on the PS4. So. All right. Anyway, check that out if you're interested. And if not, uh, well. Here's some Pippin. Or just check out our 404 page at destiny.baldmove.com <laughs> if you're live watching. Hey, it's the studio phone. This should be entertaining. Hello, this is the Bald Cave, Aaron speaking. Hello, gentlemen. Once again, it is I, Jeff Bezos, master of conductive metals, here to cast a pall on your so-called empire. Okay, Bezos, now what? I tried to torpedo your publishing efforts. I commissioned an ad on your network to discourage your listeners from committing penny piracy using your Amazon.baldmove.com link. And yet still you prevailed. Yeah, we seem to be doing that. Now I realize I'm going to have to make this personal. I'm going to have to get nasty. Oh? Yes. I have decided to terminate our flexible payment systems and thereby destroy Subbable.com, which my people tell me accounts for half of your revenue stream. Well, that's nice. Thanks for keeping in touch, Jeffrey. Now we have to get back to our podcast. Wait. Where is the wailing? My desire for the salty tears of my fallen foes is only slightly less than my burning desire for copper. Where are my tears? Well, the thing is, Jeff, your Fortress of Coppertude must have a leak in it somewhere, because we saw this move coming months ago. Yep, and we've released our club bald move in response. Fans can back us directly, no middleman required. But, but, but my Brazilian Bezos style was said to be unbeatable. What style is that? The one where you punch yourself in the dick trying to get out your front door in the morning? No, damn it, that's not the one. Oh, oh, is it the one where you stay three steps behind us at all times? Oh, and then trip and knee yourself in the balls. I must warn you gentlemen. Perhaps I indeed underestimated your drunken bald brawler technique. But I do not fight alone. Prepare yourself to face my chief hoarding officer Glomgold's thousand hand snatch style. Yeah, I'm not sure about this Glomgold, but I'm intimately familiar with your mama's snatch. Oh yeah, we could fit a thousand hands in there easy. Now just wait one minute. Look, you're the one who wanted to make this personal ass. Plus, we always need more than just one minute dealing with your mom. Yeah, give us some credit. Hello? Hello? Are you still there? It's Bezos, not Bozos. Well, hey, that didn't turn out too badly for us. Yeah, we should send some flowers and chocolates to this Glomgold's mom, get things in motion. And don't forget to help us out by using Amazon.BaldMove.com for all your internet purchasing needs. It helps us and screws over Bezos. Win-win. Feedback, yeah? Yeah, let's do some feedback. Do some feedback. Edgar E., the dreaded double E., 
said, I think when Sasha went out to shoot those pictures, oh, yes, we're talking about this is the lone previous episode one um, that I saved from the scrap heap. Because uh, I thought it was a really compelling, uh, really good analysis. Uh, he says she's trying to get to zombies, the zombies to attack her as a way to deal with her anger and to be back where she was most comfortable at. Kind of like a soldier wanting to go back into combat because that's where they are more comfortable. Mm-hmm. That is why the last part of the scene she said, come and get me. Although she had a suppressor on the weapons, so it was kind of dumb for her to say that since that is the whole point of having a suppressor <laughs> so that the zombies won't hear you. But, you know, her heart was in the right place, I guess. Sure. Uh, maybe maybe her thing was she wanted to use suppressor because, like, if there's any zombies around, they'd come. Because it's not like suppressors are, like, quiet. Uh, on this show, they are. They're just a hell of a lot more quiet than gunfire. So she didn't want to yeah. attract a bunch of zombies that weren't in the immediate area. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can figure out a logical way out of that for them. Uh, Nick M said, hey, guys, this did something that it hasn't in a while and made me sort of cringe, especially with the death of Noah. I'm surprised they're able to go into that much detail with the gore. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm constantly amazed at the amount of gore versus what they think they can't show in other adult situations. Yeah. That's, you know, America for you. Mm-hmm. So there's also a song that was played in the band. It was called Internet Friends by Knife Party. <laughs> Made me think because the song was released in uh, December of 2011. Uh, he wasn't sure what year they were in. He assumed it was 2010 because that's when the show came out, but perhaps they're wrong. Well, can't if if the show if the song comes out in 2011 i don't think knife party is still making music after the apocalypse <laughs> wait so he said he goes maybe itunes is still working the apocalypse <laughs> yeah okay i doubt sure. it but uh apparently he's a dj so that's how he uh recognized the tune all right that's cool see you from la said on a prediction note i think daryl will find morgan and bring him back to alexandria it's going to be interesting since the two have never met and we don't know what state of mind morgan will be in that'd be cool that is cool because it's they have not even technically. They've never met, and Morgan is kind of crazy. What What if Daryl comes back and is like, yeah, I met this dude out in the field that I had to kill. He was too crazy, and we find out it's Morgan. Mm. And he's killed Ooh. Morgan in the what field. Would, what would Rick do? <laughs> uh, that's interesting. But no, I, I think it would be cool if he brought him back. Yeah. I actually just came up with a new theory that I'm putting into the... Uh, oh, my God. Just just right now, I'm making bald move history. Invented a theory Those on... Those are the best ones. ...on the fly, and I'm putting it in the spoiler section to talk about. Um... Okay, so Richard from San Antonio said, just want to say that the writing was on the wall for Noah this entire episode. One, he had more than two lines of dialogue. <laughs> two, all of a sudden he became a one-shot, one-kill, badass hero. Yep. Three, he was a black male in The Walking Dead. Four, he made plans for his future. Unpopular opinion, I wish it was Glenn. I know people like uh, Glenn more, but it would make things way more interesting. Also, I would have loved to see a guy named Noah building a structure to save humanity from the apocalypse. I like that. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. But alas, The Walking Dead needs to stop killing off the newer characters and start killing off the older ones. I would like to show a little bit more if I believed it was even possible that Rick or Daryl could die. I I find it very plausible that Daryl could die. Yeah, I wouldn't be... Rick, I don't know what the show could make me do, could do to make me believe they'd kill off its lead star. Almost nothing. Yeah. Um, I I think too many people like Rick, and he's too big of a part of the show yeah to kill him but i don't know what they do because it's like you know breaking bad was good at building effective tension even though you knew mm-hmm. walter probably couldn't die before the end of this show and they do some certain things in lots of other shows so i don't know exactly what they do but you know and usually rick's not alone well, so was, yeah it was it was more about his family yeah you know and the people who he made his family and we have the same thing here yeah 
Um, Josh from Colorado elaborates on point three here of Richard um, said, I think Noah's death brings up in an unavoidable discussion at this point. One that walking dead has faced before the season. We've lost Bob Tyrese and Noah, three prominent black cast members. Father Gabriel is the lone remaining African-American man. And I'm pretty sure most of us wouldn't mind seeing him dead after his actions. This episode, I don't think it's any sinister intentions on the Gimple and company's part, other than perhaps being oblivious, but I'm wondering if it's something you guys think the creators should be more aware of. It doesn't look great that they've killed off three of their more prominent uh, black male members in one season, and maybe I'm making mountains out of molehills. In any case, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about it, if any. Yeah, What's your thoughts? We, we've, we talked about this, I think, back in season two, when it was starting to become a problem. It was a huge T-Dog problem in and, season two and three, I think. Yeah. Um, and I understand why it's coming back now. And we there talked about this earlier in the black season, male characters I think killed. after Chad checked out, and we're yeah. like... And, you know, Bob, then Chad, were like, you know, look, it's been very tropey to say this about The Walking Dead, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, like, I'm, do I believe that the writing staff is just full of racists? No, I don't no. think they're racist. It's, no, it's, I don't. But it's head up their ass, more likely. But, the, I, you know, it's like because there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of there's a lot of black men in the Facebook thread. Like, what do you say about this now? Like, you still don't think there's any. And I don't sure. know if there's any overt yeah. bias, but I understand why you feel that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially um, in this genre, the horror genre. I mean, that's very trope. That's, that's, a, that's a big trope. And I wish they were more aware of that. Sure. Um, slight devil's advocate is they kill a lot of other people, too. Um, they've killed, you know, Joe's entire gang, a bunch of people at Slaptown. Uh, they killed the Aiden this though. episode. Yeah. Like, yes, as far as the group goes, they haven't killed a lot of non black male characters <laughs> yes yes that's i what agree yeah but they have killed a lot of other non-black male characters in yeah. the show no i don't like so I, I said i it's but, but that's a thin that is a thin excuse sure and i understand that yeah and again like i understand it's very important to engage with the material to have characters you identify with yeah and if you're you know different minorities watching this and yeah. they're just you're getting less and less of that identification then you're probably going to at some visceral level have less and less connection with the material and let's be honest nobody identifies with gabriel that's the thing like nobody it's, like you can't say that's why i was saying in the facebook thread it's like i would say well you guys still got seth gilliam there except for his <laughs> character is radio fucking active now yep uh so that's that's a that's a problem and they've kind of it's it's not like I, I don't think they, they, they they're not aware of it, or they weren't aware of it in the they past. They have so. to be aware of so it. So at this point, it's like really ballsy to do that in one season. Like you would think, even the people who've been around, like maybe Andrew Lincoln, is like when Scott Gimple gets hired as showrunner. Look, Scott, this show has a history, yeah, uh-huh. that we don't want to follow uh-huh. here, right? So just be aware. Like I don't, I don't know how much you followed it in the past, but it's let's bad not enough. Do one this. of our main heroic characters are riding a white power bike. Yes, do, we don't do need, we need all to of be the black killing males all the brothers. dying. Do we need to be killing all the brothers? Yeah, good, good idea. Uh, if Andrew steps in there, <laughs> yeah. Uh, step up there, Andrew. Uh, Josh continues, Noah's death also brings up something of an issue that I think the show's had with characters in general. It's not great at introducing new ones, making them interesting, and then keeping them around. It started with T-Dog, but extended to the prisoners, practically everyone who moved from Woodbury to the prison, Tyrese to some extent, and now Noah. It seems like we barely even get to know Noah, and now he's dead, and I'm not sure all that many of us care. Will we learn anything about Rosita before she becomes zombie food? Is <laughs> Eugene our key to caring about Tara and himself, for that matter? 
Is Abraham's plot this episode going to lead him into being a prominent and valuable figure as he became, well, uh, I hope so. I don't <laughs> see the point in introducing so many new characters if you're just going to ignore that they're there. Um, I totally agree. As he became in the Bible. As he became in the Bible. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Sacrificed <laughs> his own son, if I recall. Uh-huh. Or almost did. Tried to. Almost did. It yeah. Was, it was a LOL, JK, from the Lord himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe that's what Gabriel's doing here. <laughs> <laughs> Following in the footsteps of Jesus. Um, who was himself a zombie. Yes, true. Brought it full circle. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yes, I agree with all this. And I don't know... I feel like one of the problems is some of the other stuff we talk about, that The Walking Dead wastes a lot of time talking about stuff that we don't care about and moving in narrative circles when they could be giving juicy A or B and C plots to main characters. Mm -hmm. What they seem to do is take a satellite character and give them like long, juicy A plots that are not that juicy. They're dry and overcooked, and they don't make a lot of narrative sense, like the Beth Slabtowns thing. Yeah. Um, You know, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like they just don't have the rhythm for it. They don't. They haven't figured out a way to get away from the main Rick narrative and have it be interesting. Yeah, and I can't help but feel that it has a lot to do with the kind of rotating cast of writers. Yeah, like I, I know that shows do that, but it seems to me like the great ones don't. Like the great ones have a stable of writers, sure, who are kind of actively involved in all of the season. Now they don't all get top billing credit for the writing stuff. Like everybody will still split off and take an episode here or there, but they're all in the room when they're planning and plotting this stuff out. But on the other hand, part of that's a symptom of the fact that this is really only the set. This will be the second complete season when we finish up that, that uh, the Gimples had. So how the hell is he going to keep a stable writer's room or any of that stuff? Um, I mean, I think they're starting to, I'm starting to recognize the names coming back and back and back, mm-hmm. you know, like to, to the Negrete here, the Tomoma and Pumba guy, mm-hmm. and you can certainly learn on the job, but, um, yeah, no, that's, it seems like you've got the guy with a singular vision that has a lot of people that he personally trusts and has experience with the building the writer's room and they do good work. Whereas yeah. this, you've got a guy with very little experience, wasn't his vision, Bring in people that also may have very little experience and whatever, and you know, we're it's a bumpy road, yeah. Anyway, Gary L., who in their goddamn minds thought it was a good idea for Noah to go on the supply run? Does <laughs> nobody in Alexander's decision making committee realize the man has a limp? Mm-hmm. The show writers kept trying to compensate their epic fail by over for overlooking this fact by hinting that he's a shooter with good aim, but it doesn't make any sense. I'd wager that when the shit hits the fan, which in this episode it does. Being a good shot is less important than being able to run, outrun a massive horde of zombies. I'm with First you. rule of the zombie land, yeah. cardio. Mm-hmm. Also, I understand that they needed Eugene to come along, but seriously, why didn't they have a more competent person go along as well? You'd think that a malfunctioning device that causes electricity in the entire town to fail would have some sort of priority over any other things that the Alexandrian should be doing, such as Daryl going scouting, Abraham building a wall, etc., uh, Rosita sleeping, etc. But instead, they put their best team on the bench and let some third-rate members go on a scouting operation. Not referring to Glenn, of course. Yeah, yeah we. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's terrible. Check, double check, cosigned. Uh, question though. Yeah. Does that mean we're not going to see Daryl for a while? Because Daryl's out on a scouting mission. They stay out there for a long time. 
observing, That's a good going point. in concentric circles. We might not see him till the end of the season. We might not see him at, the, at all. Like, yeah. they might come back with a two-episode arc with just them. Like, so that, Daryl and Aaron out in the sticks, I think would be cool. Like, I could... Yeah, I, I'd much rather. I, I think them, it would be super. I'd cool. much rather them be the A plot, and there be some B plots that are happening. Um, yeah. you know, with us being omniscient viewers in Alexandria. But if they have to do under wild hair, two episode mini arcs, a Aaron and Daryl on the road, I think could be strong. Yeah, especially after the way they set up their relationship. And and, with the motorcycle. and Aaron is an exception. I feel like they introduced him and very economically gave us a sense of who he was as a character and made us care about him. Yeah. Uh, as soon as he lost the fucking applesauce bit and all that uh, shit. That was bullshit, but... But yeah, I mean, he's... I, I think that he's the rare kind of like out-of-the-box success that they've mm-hmm. had with the character. Daryl just packed a backpack full of applesauce. <laughs> just to show him. Yep. Uh, Mike D said, I always wondered just how the hell these walkers get trapped in so many random places, like an electronics warehouse. I realize they need to have walkers everywhere to create dramatic tense situations, but it's tough to imagine. When the shit hits the fan, wouldn't everyone's first impulse to be to just go home and not hang out at work? Half the lazy assholes I work with take a personal day for an inch of snow on the ground. <laughs> Something tells me the zombie apocalypse would not cause them to become model employees. Are you in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's that's a fine point. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a comeback. I mean, unless that's where the apocalypse broke out. <laughs> we have a little bit of question about the numbers of zombies, which I did some research into and in here in a bit, but no, that's a good point. Max, number one, as much as Gabriel might have been a prick to go to Deanna, is he actually wrong? We know Rick's intentions. We know what Rick and Carol plan to do in the long run. That's Mm -hmm. not a bad point. Gabriel might be an asshole and still be right. Um... I don't know how you... You're not wrong, Gabriel. You're just an asshole. So... It depends. Like, how closely integrated are the Alexandrians going to be into Rick's group? Because that's what I see happening here, right? Like... Deanna's integrating them into Alexandria, but really the test for these Alexandrians is whether or not Rick and company are going to respect them. And we're starting to see that happen. We're starting to see the proper response here to the injection of badass into a group. Yes, I think so. Um, So that's the question, because Rick is fiercely protective of anyone in his group. Yeah. And like right now, if he had to choose between his people and their people, but how long is it going to take for it to be? Exactly. For everyone to be his people. Uh Uh-huh. It's a race. It's a race. <laughs> uh, number two, as soon as Noah started developed this episode, I knew he was dead. It made me realize this writers in the show are just like students. They wait to do their homework to the last minute and then hand in a subpar assignment. Oof. Why wait until the episode you're going to kill someone off to develop him? Are the writers not proactive enough to start the development arc at least an episode or two early? Seems Bush League. Man, you're, when you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. Tyler from Nashville said, forgive me for praising the writing of The Walking Dead, but I think they've set up next week's conflict rather well. I'm anticipating that Nicholas, or Dickless as you call him, will have his version of the the story at the warehouse, and Rick's people will obviously refute it. Given that Father Gabriel has disclosed his fears to Deanna about Rick's group being a bunch of psychopathic barbarians, she'll have just enough doubt to question everyone's motives, especially if Rick goes ahead with Operation Jesse Freedom and busts a cap in Pete's ass. I feel like we're heading towards a civilization of hardened Alexandrians led by Rick's people, and the Rictatorship will give way to Ricktopia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My Rick-topia. favorite beverage, Ricktopia. Uh, what flavor is that? <laughs> beard flavored. Uh, I I totally agree. It's the flavor of the shower water that came off of him. I totally agree. Again, it's they're not all the way there, but what plot line are you not invested in right now? 
it's uh, right. Yeah, I'm kind of in all of them. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the first time in a long time that I'm not just like as soon as someone's face like Tyrese was probably the last one. I was just like, oh god, every time I saw his face. Um, th- this first time in a long time I can say that. Yep. Uh, Beth A. Just to note, the Father Gabriel is trying to glue the Bible back together. Wax paper pre- prevents the glue from soaking through to the next page. So I guess he's. This was a Bible that needed repair. It had a, co- a, a hmm. torn cover, and he's trying to fix it. Okay. She continues. I saw the gluing of the page is symbolic. It may. I may be reading into it, but the ripped Bible page was a smirch on the Bible. Even as Gabriel fixes it, it'll never be the same. The terror will be a constant reminder that he isn't perfect. Similarly, Rick's group will be a constant reminder of D- Gabriel's despicable actions. Unless he told Deanna which he did, which I highly doubt. Rick's group are the only ones who know what he did to his flock. Instead of trying to reconcile the ripped page and make amends or reconcile the past and make amends, he'd rather destroy all evidence and start over fresh. Also, as for his crazy rant, in his mind, Rick's group probably are angels of light. He confessed his sins to them by force, and instead of cleansing his sins away, they made him a party to the slaughter in God's house. That being said, while he probably does believe they're all bad people, he's not above having them kicked out just to save his own ass as well. I think this cuts to the motivation. He wants to go back to being a cushy Alexandrian, but he can't run away from his past. Hmm. If they, He feels like if they find out about me, I'm not going to have the strawberries. How can I... This is a fairly good question. How can I lead these people spiritually if I know in my heart that I am not the shepherd I'm making it out to be? Sure. I, I, don't, I don't view the page ripping as him trying to hide evidence, though. I... I view that as him realizing that he's a phony. But then what do you do if you realize you're phony? Like, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the honorable thing would be to hang up the frock and, you know, become a carpenter Probably. or some stuff like that. I think... He, well, he's trying to make amends, right? He's trying to warn these people of I don't think other so. I think you're still people. missing it. I think mm. that he is trying to get Rick and his people discredited and kicked out so they can't pull the, well, Gabriel's a monster too routine on him. Hmm, I it's telling I that he know. is the only so. person we didn't see on film with Deanna. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe what? Rosita, but I'm saying like think Who of him. We see with Deanna, uh, Gabriel. We didn't see his interview. Oh, we saw oh, Rick. We saw Carl. We saw Michonne. We saw Glenn. Yeah. We saw Abraham. Maybe think, not Abraham. Daryl. Think we'll see it before the end of the season. I don't know because I wonder what he actually said. I wonder what he actually said. I'm anyway. So I like. So he's I'm totally on. So I'm he's totally running on in there. Side, he's running in there. He's saying these people are bad, so that when they say he's bad, he'll, he'll yeah. say, "Nah, uh, you guys are." Yeah, kind of. It. That's another Downton Abbey plot. You they know? haven't. <laughs> they haven't said anything about it now. Uh huh. Why would they say anything about Gabriel in the future? It just might slip out. Like it's a pretty juicy piece of, you know, like when people, like when Rick's group doesn't go to his so church. He, so he thinks, you know what? I better preemptively do this so that they can't do it to me. Um, yes, because that information is going to slip. He doesn't think that the other way around, like the information about them doing these horrible things, might slip and they will be ostracized by Deanna. Except for, I think that they, he's, I don't know. Does he think that? Does he think that they didn't fully account? Because he gave a, I feel like uh, we're, they implied that they gave a pretty full accounting of all the things that they did. And that instead sure. of being horrified, Deanna and Reg were impressed. Yeah, and the fact that we never see Gabriel's tape is, I, I bet he lied about it. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. 
And I think that would be an interesting cold open, say like in episode 15 or 16, we finally see the video and he talks about how he courageously helped his flock. Mm-hmm. If so, then I'm like buying all the stock in Beth's theory. But mm-hmm. I kind of feel that seems to be the best motivation other than him just wild eye stumbling in someplace mumbling about Satan. I, I feel like that this is a good <laughs> I feel like it's a good take for why he would do that. Mm, OK, he's still an asshole. Mm-hmm. It doesn't I don't I don't understand it or excuse it, but I'm saying it makes sense. All right. Lonnie L uh, said, I happen to be a 35 year old Episcopal priest who loves The Walking Dead. Like you don't love every episode and I wish the show would live better into its potential, but whatever. Well, you're very forgiving, Father. <laughs> Some might be surprised that a man of the cloth such as me would dig The Walking Dead, but I know plenty of clergy who watch it every week. What's more, a ton of my own young adult parishioners also watch the show. It's not unusual to find myself analyzing episodes with parishioners while at, the, uh, while at coffee, talking about life's problems, <laughs> studying the Bible, and otherwise basically living our lives. Plus, the zombie Jesus connection. Exactly. It makes sense. And I mean, if, if six-year-old girls can go to conventions where zombies are in makeup and uh, watch shows where people's faces and guts are being ripped out... I think it's okay for Why a priest, not priest? too. Yeah. Uh, with all that said, I just want to declare on behalf of good clergy everywhere that Father Gabriel is a complete and total idiot. <laughs> giving all the intriguing moral, ethical, and religious questions. I'm more intrigued that he listens to our show than he watches The Walking mm, Dead. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> given the intriguing moral, ethical... In fact, I was like all in pins and needles. Like, is he going to swear? Is he going to swear? <laughs> given all the intriguing moral, ethical, and religious questions inherent into this show's overarching narrative, I was so excited to see a clergy person introduced as a new character. I thought, yes, a new perspective, a new device for wrestling with the hard questions of humanity... Destiny, purpose, evil, and good. Herschel 2.0. I was even excited. But you're stealing this man's thunder. Oh, That's okay. probably a sin. Stealing a <laughs> stealing thunder. thunder. Yes. You're right. <laughs> uh, I was even excited by his name because in the Bible, it's the angel Gabriel who brings the good news to the Virgin Mary that she will conceive the Savior of humanity. Mm-hmm. To my thinking, a Gabriel is one who shakes things up and brings new hope. But heck to the naw. I swear <laughs> this simple-minded, dichotomistic Cowardly Bumblefuss is giving us a rest, the rest of us a bad <laughs> name. Like I'm not that. saying that in the zombie apocalypse I would be the priestly equivalent of Daryl Dixon. In fact, my friends constantly remind me that my doughy behind would be the first one to go. But I sure as heck wouldn't hide, weep, mope, connive, and platitudinize about Christ and or Satan and his angels after locking my entire congregation out of my church. <laughs> you know what makes a good pastor? Faith, spiritual grounding, but more importantly, compassion, which literally means to suffer with, and the ability to know yourself so you can get out of the way and effectively do the first. Hmm. You know who's a damn good pastor? Well, first swear watch. I thought about just bald moving this email up for extra comic effect. But it turns <laughs> out he actually did he did, did damn something at the end. All right. Which I think as a priest means someone actually dies or is cursed. I'm not sure. I have to look up the, the scriptures. Okay. Herschel. Uh, yeah, Her- Herschel, Herschel is... struggled honestly with his own demons. He put others before himself. He knew himself well enough to stay calm in a crisis. He offered sage wisdom to others and helped them become more truly who they were meant to be. He believed in good and right in every person's capacity to side with the good and right, even up to the bitter end. And he was a servant. He was foremost of, uh, you know, serv- serving uh, is uh, the people in need. Yeah, and I like those are the parts of religion that I like. Sure. The the compassionate side, I I don't buy into the the supernatural ed, uh, side of it, but I think you know people in those positions doing compassionate things and helping people uh, get a lot of credit from me. Sure. Um, and yeah, G- Gabriel is doing none of that. Gabriel is the opposite of that. 
He's a terrible man. When his God. flock needed him, he turned his back on him. Yeah, and now he's he is doubling down on that mistake in in my yeah. and Beth's uh, and Beth's estimation. But that's cool. It's you know I I like it when uh, we get a professional calling bullshit on stuff. You know, sure. when an engineer writes, and now we got a preacher calling mm-hmm. bullshit on preacher, preacher on preacher violence. Yeah, except the engineers don't call bullshit. Sometimes they, they do. Say, yeah, good idea, Reg. I had, I had that material material scientist talk about the uh, tunnel that uh, the cold rolling of the steel. No, no, about the concrete cement tunnel that Maggie brought down with a couple bullets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on, John. One thing that's bothered me has been uh, has been made that the Alexanders are ignorant of the outs. The Alexandrians are ignorant to the outside world and what society beyond the gates has become. Mm-hmm. Yet, it has been said by Deanna that Rick and his group are needed. What could they possibly be needed for? The Alexandrians have nice houses, running water, food, electricity, walls, weapons, even video games. It can't be protection. There's been no signs of any kind of battles or damage to the walls and no attacks since Rick and his group have been there. As far so what do you think? That does seem That's to a be really a bit of point. a dichotomy. That do they just need manpower? Because the things that they're saying about seem to be the things that they take least serious about Rick's group. Oh, if you want a guy up in the bell tower, the clock tower? Oh, we'll get right on it. Yeah, I, I wonder if um, Rick being a sheriff and being the constable is part of that, like keeping order within this society is a thing that Deanna feels her grasp on slipping. I mean, I agree that they need this group, mm-hmm. but they seem and they seem to agree we need this group, but they seem to be playing false to the actual when the rubber hits the road, what this group can do for you. You know? Well, I, I mean, if as much as you want to think about the adjustment coming into this community, think of the adjustment bringing people into bringing people like Rick into this community. Like they're saying, you need snipers and you need people just constantly on watch because the there's an evil outside that is going to come in here and kill all of us. Well, in two years, we haven't really seen much of that. So your sniper thing, eh? I don't know. And this Maybe. happens in real life all the time. I remember they just get complacent because they haven't seen any real trouble. Sure. Sure. And this there there's wanting an outside perspective and then hearing an outside perspective and doing something with it. Because mm-hmm. uh, at my old job at a big convenience store chain, we hired an executive from another convenience store chain with expressed desire to get an outsider's perspective. Hmm. And I sat okay. in board meetings and watched this guy give the outsider's perspective. And then people say, well, that's not how we do things at whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, why'd you the invite fuck? him? Yeah. The fuck. And I think that guy was too, because it didn't work out, but it's like, yeah, it's all well and good to know, you know, but then when you actually have to like give in and it's like, well, that's not how things we do in Alexander, Alexandria, we have milkshake and cookies and cocktail mixers. We don't get in the clock towers. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. So, but to his point, I, I get it. Like why he's saying this is weird. Cause if they, if they truly understand that they need these people, they would have had to seen more stuff happening, uh, that caused them to need them. Yeah. Yeah. No Whereas doubt. this, this cocktail party of a community doesn't, I wouldn't think would feel the need to have a group like Rick around. Sure. Uh, Marquis said, here's a fun bonus game. Which jobs would dead cast members have at Alexandria? He says, Lori would be the chair of the homeowners association. Oh God. Hershop, Herschel, backup <laughs> alcoholic doctor. Cause you can never have too many. Sure. Axel town crier. He's there with the horse tranquilizers when you need him. Uh, Tyrese curator of Alexandria art museum. Uh, so <laughs> well, really? I, yeah, I don't, I, I guess he was, uh, hmm. I wasn't wasn't sure about that too. I'd say he's the uh, he starts an NPR station in Alexandria. 
Oh, or I was saying it's called on. it's called the cost of living, the high cost of living. He just reads depressing things that are happening in the community. <laughs> I would say put a him man to work. beats his wife and no one does anything about it. Put him on the construction crew, man. He's good with a hammer. Right? Oh hell yeah! Although he drops it a lot, he's good at taking things apart with a hammer. That's true. Demolition crew. Uh, I think Dale would be the designator fixer of RVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, moral gadfly. He and mm-hmm. Gabriel could tag team that role. Yep. Uh, Andrea, friendly fire specialist. Uh, T uh, Dog, uh, the pastor had me thinking this. Uh, T Dog is a designated. Oh hell no, nah, guy! Mm-hmm. You can always rely on that from him. What about Shane? He'd be the designated uh, Jesse adulterer. Oh my <laughs> he wouldn't, god! He wouldn't. St- he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Uh, yeah, he would have drawn the pistol and been all over. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. the lobes would the, the lobes would swell and that'd be it. Uh, I'm trying to think of other dead dead people. I know there's been a slew uh, of them. Bob, he he'd probably do the NPR thing. I think. Well, plus he's another alcoholic he'd doctor. Be. You'd have trip. You'd have triple death or depth. Oh, there. that's true. Yeah, he is. Hmm. All right. Let's move on. I think we we got we got a good smattering of uh, suggestions there. Yep. Mark him. Of course, there's abused child Spidey sense. This is something we talked about the instant cast. If the Dark Knight Rises taught me anything, it's there is an orphan Spidey sense that lets Blake know that Bruce Wayne is Batman after seeing him for three minutes as an eight year old. <laughs> the abused Spidey sense has to be stronger than the orphan one. So mm-hmm. now Doc Carroll is all over this shit. Fair enough. Yeah, I buy it. Makes sense. You can see one tortured soul. A tortured soul can can see one another one. Takes one to know one. Mm-hmm. Kim M. Just finished Instant Cast and as an armchair psychologist in me says the reason why Sam wanted to spend time with Carol is because she's an adult who has been honest with him and therefore he trusts her. Hmm. What do you think about that? All right. Honesty is... <laughs> I Like, I don't know if I call what she's doing honesty. I call it... Uh... Cruel? <laughs> Cruel... Could the cruel ignoring of someone like cruel neglect? Yeah, cruel freeze neglect. them out, cold mm-hmm. shoulder. Yeah. She also just thought of this: if Sam knows Carol stole the guns and stole the chocolate, what's to keep him from stealing a gun himself? Fair point. We're all talking about Rick. Uh, you know, getting getting uh, jeopardizing a Ricktopia by gunning down Pete. What if uh, Sam does it? Yeah, that gun, the blender gun, is still out there somewhere. The blender gun, I think I it's in the hands that. of Enid. I think so, yeah. Uh, but we could have a freezer gun in the hands of Sam. Sam. Hopefully it's yep. not chocolate when he goes to use it. Cindy M. I'm not feeling Carol's suggestion to have to kill Jesse's husband. They have no fucking proof that he is abusing her. The little boy only alluded to there being issues at home. I suspect the problem is actually Jesse. To me, as to me she hasn't come mm. off as a victim of abuse. She's been way too friendly with Rick. Uh, I feel that if she was being abused, she would avoid men like the fucking plague, and she doesn't set her hu- so she doesn't set her husband off. Her husband's drinking may be his way of dealing with an abusive, unloving wife. We've all seen passive aggressive bullshit from Lori Grimes. Jesse is Lori 2.0, and I'm hoping maybe this little boy is Carl 2.0 and puts her down. That's an interesting. What would theory. you think if if Pete is an as an abused husband? Uh, and Rick kills him over a misunderstanding. That would be way more interesting than Ed 2.0 to me. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. It depends. I don't know that I trust a show to deal with anything like that in a sensitive manner. <laughs> You're probably not wrong there. You know. Um, but it's it's a more interesting interesting concept than rehashing season one again i know but it's like one of those weird twilight zone concepts like like uh you know what if alexander was all black people 
and Rick and the the white folk are the ones that have prejudice and bigotry. It's like, do I trust The Walking Dead to do something like that? Maybe sure. that's interesting, and maybe it would shine a spotlight on actual issues in society and have people think about it, or maybe just be really cringeworthy. I'm leaning towards a male victim of domestic violence and The Walking Dead being kind of cringeworthy. You're probably right. And heavy-handed. Probably right. But it could be possible. Uh, uh, Cindy continues, why the fuck would Carol make such stupid uh, such a stupid suggestion? She, wait, wait, wait. She's right, though, that Jesse is, does not seem I to be... I agree with that. In my opinion, and granted, I don't know much about this, Jesse seems, yes. seems to not be exhibiting any signs of being abused, right. whereas... Pete kind of does if he's drinking himself to numb himself. Or it could just be they have a really shitty marriage and they're fighting all the time and could Sam be. doesn't like it and Sam is scared. Yeah, mommy and daddy are fighting. And and Carol is seeing, you know, uh, you know, the other side of this this ESP is maybe you see things when they're not there. Hmm. You know? Um that that makes you see like these these patterns and connections because it's your own life. It, it sees where they're not there. So you don't have to have Pete being abused to just them having a crappy marriage. It's very strained and stressful, and Rick interjects where he's not needed or wanted. Sure. Um, but anyway. But Jesse doesn't seem to be strained and stressed about their marriage either. No, it's, it seems to be more Pete. Yeah. But uh, from all appearances, she continues, why the fuck would Carol make such a stupid suggestion? From all appearances, Alexander is a stable society. Why wouldn't they just have Rick and Michonne investigate the situation, you know, like real fucking cops? Mm-hmm. Better yet, just bring the shit up to Deanna. Tell her what the little boy said and have her watch the situation so your group doesn't look like a bunch of assholes starting shit. All fine points. But I think that's the central conflict is that Rick's group feels like they know better than these people do, even in areas where they're not. And that's the thing. Most of the time they're right. They're going to be wrong about some of these things. And it looks like Pete might be one of them. Is Rick going to take her advice? Or even that's if the other question, even if they're right, so that's the other thing. Even if they're right, and Pete is pop, uh, you know, abusing her and uh. getting drunk. What do you do? I mean, what do, if if you're trying to establish a rule of law in society, do you execute this man? Like just summary execute, just walk into his house and assassinate him in front of his child. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem like a proper solution. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know that that would go over well with the government in Alexandria, right? And I think I thought I had an email that that maybe I I I, I cut it out, but I thought someone made the point that you know we talked we bemoaned the fact that there aren't any capable assholes, mm-hmm. like you know Ed was just a drunk redneck doofus that yeah. we all cheered when Shane beat him half to death and then he got his face eaten off. Mm-hmm. Pete is their doctor. And it seems like he's a really good one. So is this not a test case of, like, what if he is an alcoholic and he's abusive, but he's your only doctor? That could yeah. be an interesting thing to do. Like, how do you deal with that? Because it's like, what – could you force a doctor? Could you, like, put a doctor in jail and force him to keep practicing medicine? Because he no. could just fucking kill you. And he could kill you yeah, in ways it, that you would ever not even be able to say that he's, like – or killing he just you. Refused to do his job too. I mean, he could refuse to do his job, but I'm yeah. saying it'd be more insidious if he actually kind of did like the slab tan doctor approach. 
Oh, wrong man. But how are you fucking? I, I think know. after like two or three times of that. This is the zombie apocalypse. Every time you go into the knife, you're rolling the dice, man. I would expect like this is like old time. Yeah, but if civil war, you get shot and come in for the time, a, you're dead. Kind if his of kids medicine. come in for a checkup and then two weeks later they're dead, like they get progressively <laughs> sicker and sicker till they die. Sure. You're gonna, you're gonna be like, okay, <laughs> what's up here? I wasn't thinking about like the common cold. I was thinking more like <laughs> Aiden gets cut, you know, uh, his body's been bisected. Like they bring by. Tara back and Yes. Her yes. head wound just kills her. Hey, we lost her. Oh, sure. It's a shame. Can I have a drink now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can I have another drink? <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, Matt E. says, I know the show is called The Walking Dead, and I get this is a zombie show, but surely at some point the walkers have to start thinning out, right? Everyone who dies becomes a walker, but there can't be that many people reproducing in rural Georgia and Virginia. So how can there be always huge herds of walkers everywhere? I'm not a comic book reader, so maybe they deal with this later. But at this point, nothing about the show stretches disbelief more than the titular characters themselves. A, I think that's entirely where people reproduce. It's Georgia and Virginia. Exclusively, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, in the backwoods of Georgia and Virginia. Um, I I don't know. I, I think it takes a while. Like well, here, I don't think we're at the point where walkers... If, if I'm to listen to Max, Max Brooks... Um, I don't think we're at the point yet where walkers begin to decay to the point where they're useless. Let me throw some stats at you. Okay. Last year, there's 319 million people living in this country. I think I saw a stat that 95% of humanity died during the apocalypse. It's a lot of people. So you've got somewhere like 300 million million zombies. The average density of population in the United States is 34 persons per square mile. But that, that... Talks it talks about the deserts. It talks about the yeah. plains. Montana, <laughs> uh, Georgia averages sixty-seven persons per square mile. Washington D.C. four thousand eighty-eight people per square. I'm sorry, this is all square kilometers. Which square is square kilometers smaller? That's much smaller. Yeah, that is a fuck ton of people per square kilometer. Yes, and I'm... we see that these zombies naturally kind of clump together. Like if one, like is... that's standing shoulder to shoulder with everybody. Yeah, in those kilometers. No, I don't think so. Uh, the climber's still pretty fucking big, man. But you I'm throw saying... forty eight hundred people into a mile. That's one. That's one foot per person. I remember MythBusters. I guess s- although it's squared. Never mind. Did you see the MythBusters episode? Because they actually showed like uh-huh. they 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 roped off a football field and they gave you the the average population density of different cities and mm-hmm. they put that many fake zombies in there. Even like. I don't know. I forget what Chinese city has got the highest population density in the world, but it's still like people are spaced three to six feet apart as they're milling around. So Mm. it's not that bad, but still 4,000 people square kilometer is a hell of a lot of zombies walking around. Yeah. So I, and when they're all hiding out in the dark and there's, they've established that there's like some kind of retardation of the decay process with the zombie virus. Hmm, uh, what do you mean? I just feel like that that we've seen zombies, they only decra- degrade to a certain point, and then... They decay super fast to that point. And yeah, then and then they stop. kind of have some staying power. So I don't know how many hmm. years, like, if a zombie... How many day one zombies are left two years, three years, four years? I don't know. And it probably depends yeah. on their environment and all that stuff, and whether they've come across Rick or not. But... <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure either. But it, it's... I it, could quote you Max Brooks stats, but I... I actually would. Here's the thing: I they're actually, in the South for one, which makes it much less time. Um, right. It's it's probably somewhere around like five years. But here's the deal: I went into this looking up these stats, thinking that they were going to prove our point. 
but mm-hmm. I actually came around like, oh, that's actually kind of believable. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of surprised. Uh, yo, Tom M. He's the one that wrote in about uh, a character serving an indispensable function who's also dangerous or a giant asshole. So we kind of talked about that without reading your thing, but uh, there's a little bit of credit for you, Tom. Uh, Edson C. said, I lost the will to watch the show after Beth's death, not because of my love for her character, but the accumulation of spotty episodes like Slabtown and all sorts of puzzling writing decisions after the season's bombastic opener was too much stink to bear. But thankfully, after checking in, hearing, and you guys being genuinely more optimistic about the new episodes, I skipped a few and went straight to Spind. I'm glad I did. Hmm. It was a much tighter episode and revived my interest in this uh, series. I was sad and genuinely disturbed that Noah's ripped apart. Uh, but caring about Glenn and Maggie again, as well as Eugene, surprised even me. Good point. This episode almost single-handedly redeemed Glenn. Like, these last two episodes. He's back on my A-list. Yeah, punching Aiden, uh, being kind of the boss on this mission. I'm still a little off I on Maggie, it. but the further we get away from the Beth plot, I think the more I'll like her again. Yeah, I think so. And I'm glad we can provide the scouting service for you. I'm I'm glad we can be the the uh, Aaron and uh, Daryl in the coal mine for him uh, to your Aaron and Jim. Yeah. Uh, Beverly B said, "I just wanted to make sure you guys noticed interesting biblical reference. The show begins with Gary, Gabriel tearing up the Bible. Of course, the opening sentence of the Bible begins with in the beginning. After Noah dies, his journal is seen lying open in a van and has one sentence: This is the beginning.'" There are two empty books with the same start, both owned by men with biblical names. Is there a message that is time for a new book, a new moral code for a new time, or is this just a bit of cleverness? Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't even thought about it. Uh, I suppose so. I, suppose I mean, even if be, it's just a bit of cleverness, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And I will notice this as... It seems like they are start, you know, they've always been trying to do stuff like this, but I feel like yeah. that they are being more successful about weaving some of these that are kind of like Easter eggs or thematically interesting things into the episode in less ham-fisted ways. Yeah. That are actually, you know, they're connecting and, and making the show better. So mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Rock and Rock uh, said, Francis, Francine takes a spill some 20 feet from a bulldozer blade, lands squen- squarely on her left ankle. It's understandably incapacitated when the zombies converge. But along comes, comes Abraham, who saves her hide. Suddenly, she's right as rain and scrambling all over the place like an Olympic sprinter. And later, she's ready to finish the shift with nary a limp to show for it. Did an editor cut a scene? Like the one where Abraham injects her with some of that magical slab town uh, epinephrine? Mm-hmm. Epinephrine, yeah. Epinephrine? You probably, yeah. Yep. This is the stuff I miss because I just like the episode too much. <laughs> uh, he says, at first, Deanna we met was an interesting character, except for that ghastly line about being a poker player that the writers forced into her mouth. She commanded a bit of gravitas. Yeah. Then there's episode 14, Deanna. She spends her first scene doing all-out, effusive, heartfelt thank yous. We next see her when she gets all suspicious of the promotion of newbies, done at her hand. But she de- decides to voice this directly to Maggie. That doesn't make her look very smart. Quite the opposite. It's the equivalent of saying out loud, so you checked after the flop and bet big after the turn. Hmm. Aren't I the observant <laughs> poker player at this table? But what's worse is that I had a field of na- feel of naked exposition. Because this sentiment was so na- unnaturally voiced, it stuck out like a sore thumb, almost telegraphing the upcoming Three's Company conflict. I actually agree with that, too. Yeah. I thought that was for, weak sauce. For a poker player, she is not playing it very close to the vest here. We could do without the dialogue explaining the things that the actress is doing with her acting craft. Yeah, I I thought it was it was laid out. 
uh, fairly explicitly when they were talking about making Abraham the new boss. Yeah. Construction boss. Yeah. Um, that's it. We've got, uh, if you'd like to send us more feedback, you can do so at watching dead at baldmove.com. Get on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. Talk with your fellow listeners. Also on facebook.com slash baldmove. I'm sorry I fucked up the thread. I've tried because I've got so much pregame stuff to do with the live watches and all that stuff that's gotten a bit hectic. And I've worked on this auto scheduling thing that I thought would post and get all that stuff started for me. And it is spotty at best. So I will manually post those threads until I can get a better handle on it. I apologize. That'll be up this week. You can also tweet at Jim at bald move. All right. Uh, Sounds good. That's it. So we're going to have a spoiler section, a moderate spoiler section with Uh, my Morgan theory. Oh, brand new teaser. Brand new. Developed on air. (laughs) Which it means it's got to be good. (laughs) Uh, All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you're into spoilers, stick around after the music. If not, we'll see you next week after the episode. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. back with the spoiler section tell me about this morgan theory i'm i'm dying to well know. it's half baked no 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 at no. best don't don't sell yourself short man half baked at best i've got this theory about morgan perhaps being the new jesus character okay so you've gone from daryl as jesus to morgan as jesus now yes all right well lay it out i think that because uh, because someone in the feedback reminded me of jesus's role of introducing them to the hilltop characters so I think it'd be interesting if like Morgan had accidentally because you know it's kind of, we're kind of unclear exactly where the group was going and what route they followed after Richmond. Mm-hmm. If he met up with the Hilltop folks, spent a few weeks there, and then's like, look, I got to keep keep looking for my friend. I'm going to go closer to DC. Goes and Daryl finds him, and the when they first captured Jesus, they think Jesus is a bad guy, and they try to kick his ass, but Jesus actually kicks their ass. And I think they've established Morgan as enough of a post-apocalyptic Book of Eli-type badass that I would believe him taking Aaron and Daryl hand-to-hand. Ooh, Daryl versus Morgan. He'd have to get the drop on Daryl somehow, which getting the drop on the tracker guy Plus, I think Because but... my one criticism of Jesus is he's just too nice. Hmm. He's like the ultimate Zen warrior monk badass who's just a friend to everybody and always keeps his word and self... Having it be Morgan and having Morgan be just a little off kilter uh-huh. and a little hard to kind of deal with, our I think history, would be awesome. Our history with Morgan adds a little spice to that character that yeah that you like. It gives him an edge. It gives okay. him an edge because Jesus is just essentially he could be from Nazareth, and I wouldn't know the difference because he is that good of a guy. So has Morgan been growing his hair out this whole time? He didn't have beard <laughs> like a big beard. He's going to go with the and a little beard. I don't know. No, hmm. I don't. I don't think he needs to have long Jesus hair. No. It's arguable whether Jesus had long Jesus hair. Well, you were making the case for Daryl because of his hair. And well, his, yeah. He's starting to look more like Jesus. I'm just saying. Like, obviously, right. he wouldn't look like the stereotypical sure, white yeah. Anglo-Saxon Jesus that we see in the Bible. Yeah. If he's Morgan. But. <laughs> obviously, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what happens with that. I don't know. 
All right, so Steve F., the girl that Abraham saved was called Francine. Spoiler alert, Abraham cheats on Rosita with Francine in the comics, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my God. I actually think you are mistaken uh, because Hmm. someone else emailed us. I might have this in the section. I think it's Holly, who is also mentioned in this episode. Uh But it would be just like Kirkman to do the remix, the Mickey Ficky remix. Yep. Especially and after saving the woman's life, she might be grateful. Exactly. Because that is how it worked out in the comic books. It just wasn't Francine, it was Rosita. Okay. So he saves. Wait, it was Holly. It was Holly. He saves Holly's sorry, life. Sorry, sorry, not Rosita. And she gets attached to him, and yeah. they ended up doing it. Yeah, there's a lot of weird couplings in the comic books, hmm. which I don't want. You know, I'm not going to split it for spoilers' sake. But, um, and again, I, uh, it's been years since I've read this plotline. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I'm enjoying this season a lot more going in Raw Dog, like hmm. not refreshing my knowledge of the Hunters or anything like that. Yeah. So it could, but I also think this is just genuinely better as well. Sure. Uh, comments for this, on the spoiler section of last week. He said, I can't believe they had passed up the opportunity to have a cool character. As cool a character as Paul Jesus Monroe kicking some Walker head literally and replacing him with Daryl. No fucking way. And he isn't the one introduced, or he's the one that introduces Hilltops in the comics, and the group meets Negan on the way back from Hilltop to Alexandria. Uh, and then he mentions a couple of casting suggestions for uh, Negan. He re- I think people have said that he's based on Henry, Law- Henry Rollins before. Mm-hmm. His pick would be Ray Stevenson, which I don't know who that is. I don't either. I should have looked it up before I, I copied and pasted this in here. Ray Stevens. You looked it up as I get considered others. My other suggestions would be Bill Paxton, most recently seen in The Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, Patrick Warburton. That would be... An, he's got the physical look. I don't know if he could play maniacal. Uh, and John Hamm... Which I've been, I've been an early proponent of John Hamm as Negan. I think he would do a bang up job, especially the wholesome version, where he has like a like he'll beat you to death if he hears a swear word in front of him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. To Nick Cage. Nick, what do you think Nick Nick Cage as he can bring the he, maniacal? Yeah, he would really have to go back to his roots with the maniacal stuff. Um, I mean, he'd have to pull some face off shit out of his ass. He also mentioned uh, Tamo Pinnacott, uh, mm, which yeah. he was uh, hell, he, he was uh, Carl Agathon on Battlestar Galactica. Hello, Hilo. He, oh, Hilo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could totally see him playing. He's that got role. kind of a yep. a, a plain negany face. <laughs> plain negany face. Okay. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that means, but sure. I don't either. Did you find out who Ray Stevenson is? Is he the guy from... Uh, Ray Stevenson was in, I believe, one of the episodes of Murphy's Law that we watched. Huh. Um. I, I don't know. He's in a bunch of stuff. Book of He's Eli. In, yeah, he plays Divergent, Titus on Rome. Thor. He's a big dude. 6'4". Holy shit. Yeah, I could see him. He's a monster. All right. I will accept that as well. Sure. Fine, fine examples all. Uh, let's look at the next email. Joffrey H. says, I feel another remix coming. Sam broke the owl and asked for a gun, but not for him. Pete drinks a lot, and see, this seems like too much of a trope. What if Pete drinks so much because his wife, Jesse, is an abuser and a cheater? Why is this in the spoiler section? I don't know. Because we talked about I think this. I might have. That's the thing. I think I might have copied and pasted this wrong. Oops. So I apologize, Joffrey H., but you're probably not going to hear this because you're probably staying away from the spoiler section. <laughs> Bad job on me. Edwin C., for the for the 
As for this episode, it seems like they're taking form about four episodes. Jesus, let me start this over. As for the episode, it seems like they're taking from about four issues an episode with this one, starting in issue 73. There's quite a bit of comic references in this episode from them being Abraham's first day on the job. This happens exactly the same way it does in the comics. Hmm. In fact, someone on Reddit posted the relevant pages and the episode, and same thing with um, uh, Gabriel's stunt. He did the exact same thing, except for uh, Douglas Monroe told him to get fucked. Instead of Deanna, was like, <laughs> let me think about this. All right. So we got another remix coming. Uh, Glenn and his supply crew. Wait, run. do they shoot the hydraulics and everything? Like, I don't know about all that. All that's the same. I don't know about that. But him, you know, the reaction and a girl mm. coming and punching the guy for abandoning her and then Abraham taking over. The, the main, the broad strokes of the theme were there. Okay. Uh, Glenn for a supply crew run. This is the first Kirkman remix that I fully approve of, as this was only Glenn and some random Alexandrian in the comic, and both barely made it back home. Uh, Rick and Pete's chat. This happens almost the exact same way, except for Pete tells Rick about his marriage problems. Rick finds his talk funny and comes to the same conclusion that Carol does. Could this be another Kirkman remix with Carol pulling the trigger instead of Rick? Hmm, interesting. A little we uh, vigilante justice. We know she's not above it. Yeah, yeah, that might be interesting. Like, Rick tells her, no, I'm going to go investigate this. That's not what's going to be done. And then she does it anyway. Yeah. Banishment 2.0. He says, like I said, it seems the writers are taking about four issues in every episode, which would put us right about where the walkers infiltrate Alexandria and the battle to reclaim it. Uh, for the finale, Sweet. but I still find it hard to believe they can fit this much into two more episodes. Yeah. Honestly, I think four comics per episode is about right. Hmm. If you read the comic, that's about how much content. Four of those together is about 45 minutes worth of television because they're short. Hmm. Okay. They're super short. Um, That would be great. I would love to see a Walker herd attack this city by the well, end of this season. Well, they'd start it strong, they'd end it strong, and... And we talked these about the lack five, of budget in the last few episodes, right? And if, and if they get it to where these last five episodes are kind of arguably some of the best, I'm yeah. in. I mean, it would be. I would. I hope that maybe they finally found. I hope it's not a budget thing because man, that would suck if we just have to accept three shitty episodes every year <laughs> to get a couple good ones. Yeah, especially with as given how much money this goddamn show makes. Mm-hmm. Josh from Colorado, this is the last one. The woman asked Tara, or the woman that Tara asked know about is Holly. This is the one that I that that mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't remember. I'm sure Aaron remembers, but Holly was the short-haired woman who worked with Abraham and who I believe had feelings for him. She was later captured by Negan, killed, and then returned to Alexander as a zombie, where she served as a distraction while the saviors attacked. I guess we'll see if the show does something with the character if it's just a throwaway for the comics fans. Um huh. Yeah, I mean, I don't care enough about Rosita for it to feel like a huge betrayal of Abraham goes and because I, I always felt that their relationship is more. It's a little convenient. opportunistic. Yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, you're a guy and I'm a girl. That's and, what I thought so too. Like, I don't yeah. feel like they love each other nah. any more than Abraham loves Rick or Carol or in yeah. the sense that they're kind of a community. But mm-hmm. uh, whereas in the comics, it was I felt like it was a little bit more romantic. But that could be me misremembering and why I'm staying away. I'll read it afterwards. That's what I'm going to be start doing. Okay. I'm going to read the storylines after this television show. Uh, okay, that's it. All right. Same thing. Walking Dead or Watching Dead at BaldMove.com, the forums, all that stuff. Cool. Glad we got a good episode. Uh, a couple of them. Strong yeah. back to back. I, I, a couple of the previous ones weren't great, but they were good. 
by Walking Dead standards. And I'm, the Dale Quote episodes, if we could get two more out the gate, the Dale Quote episodes might be my single favorite stretch of any, because I, I, nothing's surpassed the pilot and kind of just season one in general. Hmm. But these five, if, if the next two are as good as the last three, we're going to have a really strong five yeah. episode stretch. Yep. Hope so. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. See you next time. Yep. Bye-bye.